This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, August 10th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by ManRubs.com. Need some rubs, tools, blow torches, t-shirts, mugs, and all-around barbecue-related gear. You're going to want to hit that promo code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They specialize in holsters. StayReadyGear.com. On Instagram, StayReadyGearUSA. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. They got holsters, everyday carry items, tourniquet, custom holsters, and on and off duty gear if you're law enforcement or so inclined. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear, especially headphones, can be found at Odyssey and Odyssey.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're in studio today. So do yourself a favor and get out there and, and see what they're all about if you're getting into the podcast circuit and want some of that top-tier recording gear. Uh, firearms. I like them. Need them. We all have them. I think all of us have them. Um, I think so. Voting accidents. They do happen. We lose them. Yeah. You know who can get you new ones? Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Mike's been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. He's a licensed FFL. And he's got ammo. So at the very least, you're going to want to hit him up on Facebook Messenger or at 619-870-6992. He's done his whole website over at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Um, mediocre medicating is not something that you necessarily are proud of. Unless you actually work in the field, which I kind of do sometimes. And when I'm trying to save lives... You do a cameo from time to time. Three out of 28 ain't bad. I'm usually ro- <laughs> usually rocking my mediocre medic gear. I have a tack patch on my med bag. And uh, got a whole bunch of other stuff from them, too. So check them out at MediocreMedic.com. Uh, looking for the gold standard yep. of tactical flair. Mr. Mark Joe Friday down at Dumpbox and Dumpbox.us. He's got everything you need to meet your tactical gear needs. I got a coffee cup here that's adorned with his stickers. Everything from making zero gravity great again stickers for Space Force to Donald Trump tactical duck. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, We've got our coronavirus flag hanging up in the studio. I've got a pin over here on my bag. And I've been using Mark for years. In addition to that, I'm wearing the Man Duck Lorian t-shirt today. I could have used that promo code a long time ago. Active duty and retired military. Hit me up in the DMs and I'll give you 15% off your total order from jumpbox.us. Boom. I think on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Episode 53, Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roan, and I'm joined as always by Noah. Hey. Antoinette remotely. And we've hello, got... Hello. Mr. Lord Petty joining us today. Appreciate you guys. Mr. Petty, welcome to Steak for Breakfast. It is an absolute honor. Uh, I listen to you guys all the time. And honestly, I steal a ton of memes from stuff you guys just say offhand. So uh, thanks for that all. Oh, you're nice. welcome. 
I'm I'm halfway joking, but uh, not really. You guys uh, come up with some gold here, so I love the show, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me. Now you've got a podcast of your own. Why don't you tell our listening audience who may not have heard you yet and only see you via the shared memes that we trade with each other online? Uh, what your show's all about? So I'm kind of the the based Trojan horse, is how I look at myself. Okay, okay. I try to keep one foot in the uh, being able to communicate with the non-red pill takers. And I'm trying to, I have this saying, like putting the pills in the applesauce, you know, so I keep a foot in the <laughs> comedy world and I like to dabble in the real stuff just to kind of mix the two worlds. You uh. know, I guess my big dream is I want to go on Jimmy Kimmel's show and I want to call people an idiot. So that's kind of my, uh, nice. That's I, my lane, you know, I don't necessarily hate that. So maybe you can include him as well. Maybe somebody should shit on Jimmy Kimmel's desk. <laughs> Dude, I'll, I'll get on it if I get the chance. There nice. you go. It could be you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just saw the whole ending of the Joker movie play out in my head. But, <laughs> but instead of shooting Jimmy Kimmel, you're He's crapping on his, on his desk. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah, you bring the comedic flow to kind of the red pill vibe. But you, you know, definitely share opinions from both sides of the table, which I think, you know, our listening audience is so conditioned to getting the same kind of echo chamber sometimes of either the news or report or the type of guests we have on. I'm always looking for someone who's going to be willing to step outside of their comfort zone and maybe come on to our show where you may not know all of the news that's going on, but after hearing some of the audio clips and listening to some of the commentary, you could definitely give feedback and commentary on, you know, what you think about that. Oh, definitely, man. And it's, uh, I think, it, I think it's a good thing that you guys do. And like I said, I'm very much a Republican. Like that is just facts, you know, that is, uh, but I'm kind of a newly awoken person where I didn't quite have, uh, you know, names for my ideals. I've just kind of started finding this pocket on the internet just by sharing things that I thought I wasn't supposed to say. Mm -hmm. One day I just said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to say what I think. And so I start meeting folks like yourselves and uh, they're usually really good people. So that's when I realized, okay, maybe these thoughts I'm having aren't these dangerous things that I'm not supposed to say to piss people off. And they're actually bringing out the honesty in good people. So that's kind of, that's where I'm at. If you can think of anything relatively specific what do you think is something that would have caused you to sort of wake up to whatever you know it i think it was when we went to the covid lockdown uh like i in 2016 i just shamelessly threw my ballot away i was like i'm not having any part of this you know i was used to seeing trump on the apprentice or whatever that shit was called right and hillary fired. clinton you know that that just is what it is i mean there was i was never going to go down that road and i just wanted nothing to do with it yeah you know? And, uh, and so when my, when my work, when we had, you know, they left us home for two weeks and of course I got bored. And so what I do, I started kind of really veering into social issues, current issues on the news. And I would watch, I watched a whole press conference with the guy just to kind of laugh at it. Cause I am a comedian, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I go and watch the news and that's when I realized, okay, that's not what he said. And that's what kind of opened up the rabbit hole. That's what just kind of opened up my eyes. And that's what I feel like most, the majority of the population is just in that rabbit hole. You want to assume, you know, I don't want to call everybody a sheep, but you just assume by nature, okay, I watch the news. That's the news. But then you realize, okay, these people are literally not saying what is happening. And so it just kind of opened my eyes and I started going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole and meeting people and having these conversations. And Yeah, it's like the news, fact check companies, and they, they have these innocuous names like PolitiFact. Mr. Alan Duke. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, well, it's politics, and it must be a fact. That's just what the general public is going to think. And they keep repeating the same things over and over and again until it becomes the truth or in everyone's heads. That's partially not true. 
That's what they like to say, too. Yes. Parts of this are false. Because oh, yeah. It made me mad. This post has been labeled as false, and then the, the instruction to it at the bottom is just going to be like, the letter and, or the word and wasn't used in this conversation. You're like, really? What? Seriously? That's... <laughs> I got fact checked because I shared a meme. I didn't make it, but I shared a meme about a kid who reported his teacher for quote, uh, the head game was not on point. You know, <laughs> sexual relationships with the teacher. Zing. And they fact checked it and blocked it. Dude, it was crazy. What was the fact check for? Like, it's just saying no. Uh, student did not, in fact, report his teacher for having a weak head game. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the no. stuff that they actually address is amazing. Our ligma. Oh, the Ligma variant. Yeah, yeah. I, I I put out a meme like two weeks ago that had you know watch out for the Ligma variant coming in hot in August, and it actually got Alan Duke fact checked and said, no, the Ligma variant is not a real strain of coronavirus. It's just it, a dirty joke. Yeah, it's just a dirty joke circulating <laughs> in the internet. I'm in the process of penning an op-ed about how the Ligma variant is more real than the Delta variant. How? proud do you think that fact checker was to oh go my home, gosh yeah and get a kiss thing, how do you get this job i want this job right. i just want to go troll my way into being a fact checker well you know? are you in a basement right now no i mean no, you uh, can't have the job then lit no nope. podcast studio you gotta right be now, in a basement but... yeah that's, that's has true. to be a basement yeah i'm sure <laughs> that fact checker was probably real proud to go home and get a kiss on the cheek from mom before she gave him his hot pockets yes have you eaten hot pockets in the last <clears throat> 24 hours i have not no, no i'm, I'm sorry i can't have the job yeah it can't be a fact checker so all right, well, well thanks it. for ruining my dreams, guys. I know. Well, you hey. can identify as a fact checker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. They'll fucking fact check that, too. Yeah. But before we get to the news, and joining us for the first time on Steak for Breakfast, he's a retired Army Green Beret. He's also a Gold Star husband and currently running in Washington's 3rd District for Congress. Mr. Joe Kent, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, and, and I'm sure I speak on behalf of Noah. Thank you for your service. Yes. Thank you very much. So why don't you give our listenership a little bit uh, of insight into your service background, kind of uh, just a little brief synopsis of it. Sure. So uh, pretty much as far back as I can remember growing up, I just wanted to uh, be a soldier of some sort, some sort of a commando, just reading books and probably watching too much A-Team and G.I. Joe, but then the more <laughs> I read about American history, I saw there was always people in our um, citizenry that were willing to go forward and, and fight on behalf of this country. And so that really deeply inspired me. So when I turned 18, enlisted in the Army, um, went to Ranger Regiment, and then about three years later, uh, tried out for Special Forces or Green Berets, as they're more commonly known. Um, passed the Green Beret selection, and then right as that was happening, 9-11 uh, happened. So okay. uh, I kind of, yeah, had set the trajectory pretty much for the, the rest of my military career and kind of adult life. So got oh. to deploy for this country uh, 11 times uh, to combat. Um, did a lot of time in Iraq, some time in Yemen and Northern Africa, um, transitioned to, or retired out of the military after doing 20 years, retired on a Friday and then sworn on a Monday at the CIA as a paramilitary operations officer, uh, intended to stay there in that capacity for pretty much the rest of my adult life, um, out finding intelligence. I, after living through the Iraq debacle and right. a lot of the things that went wrong in the global war on terror, I, uh, kind of committed my career to intelligence. I, I found it very intriguing, but also found it very critical. Um, how bad intelligence could really harm our country. So that's that's the capacity I wanted to work at. Plans, unfortunately, changed about uh, two and a half years ago. My wife, who was also uh, in special operations and in the intelligence community, was killed 
fighting ISIS uh, in Syria. Um, but she was killed about a month after Trump attempted to get our troops out of Syria the first time. Right. So uh, despite all the, the personal grief I was going through, I um, started speaking out on behalf of Trump's foreign policy, because right as uh, Trump attempted to get our troops out, that's when Secretary of Defense Mattis and a bunch of other unelected bureaucrats turned against Trump, who they had previously supported because Trump was letting us go and, and crush the territorial caliphate and kind of check Iranian aggression, kind of making up for all the um, I'd say lack of um, initiative that the Obama administration had. Um, but once Trump realized that we had met our military objective, he attempted to get our troops out and, and fulfill the will of the American people. Um, so I thought that was the, the right answer. I still think it was the right answer. So despite all the grief I was, I was going through and having to uh, take care of our two young children, I felt that it was my duty to speak out on behalf of what the president was doing. So I started writing op-eds, going on the news, whatever I could do to really articulate the America first foreign policy. At the same time, though, I wanted to get my kids back to the Pacific Northwest where I grew up. So I moved the kids back here to the Pacific Northwest. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, which wasn't a failed city when I was growing up, but it's no. become that. So I moved. Yeah. I didn't want to raise my children there. So I moved right across the river to Washington three. And as that was going on, the COVID lockdowns were locking down our country, taking away our first amendment rights. And then the election of 2020 happened and we saw big tech, mainstream media, all move in lockstep to say that Biden had won. And if we questioned it, that we'd be labeled as terrorists or insurrectionists. So yeah. these are the exact same techniques and, and tactics that I saw overseas as a Green Beret um, and in the intelligence community. I know what authoritarian regimes do to get control of their country. So seeing that, I knew I wanted to fight back and do something. But I didn't know exactly what until the woman who is supposed to be a Republican that I voted for turned around and stabbed us in the back and voted for the impeachment of President Trump. Uh, just before that, though, she voted to certify the election, which I felt she was derelict in her duties by doing that. But then she voted for the impeachment. So to me, that was a, a call to action. I knew I could either I could sit here and not do anything and just watch my country get absolutely taken over. Um, but the problem, the thing is, I have two young sons who lost their mother when they were very young. I'm going to have to explain to them really soon that this is the country that their mother gave her life for. And the condition that we're in right now, I can't do that. So. I uh, had never intended to go into politics, but I, I Googled, how do you run for Congress? You made an announcement video and I've just been running hard since then. Nice. Yeah, I certainly like that. I mean, I, th I think, uh, again, thank you for your service. And then obviously condolences on behalf of the show for your wife, making the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms and liberties that a lot of people in this country, like you had mentioned, have been taking for granted or just, you know, running under one guise or another for the past, however long we can remember and just, you know, saying that they're watching out for our best interests. But then when you have people who have literally worked on the front lines and the inside, like you have that can point out that not only are the people who are supposedly representing us, not doing their job, they're doing the direct opposite, but you've seen it in countries yep. where, you know, they slipped into absolute chaos. It's just good to have someone who can bring a little bit of awareness to the community that, you know, it, it really adds to your credibility as a candidate running on an America first agenda. Yeah, and you should never have to go against what everybody else is saying because it should just be automatic that dying for your country is an honorable thing. And it's a jacked that's up right. situation that we're in where that's being taught otherwise. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. Um, so so, so you're, you definitely are running on the America First agenda and, and as an America First candidate. Have you had received any endorsements as of late um, in your campaign? 
He was honored to get the uh, endorsement of Secretary of Defense Chris Miller. So he was Trump's last Secretary of Defense. I think yes. the only Secretary of Defense, Defense he did not fire. Um, <laughs> so he was also one of my uh, one of my former commanders when, when I was in Special Forces. So when uh, he was a colonel and I was a, a sergeant in the Green Berets, I actually served under him in Iraq uh, in 2007. So seeing that kind of closed loop was a great honor to get his endorsement. I've also been endorsed uh, by Turning Point USA's Action Committee. Okay. Um, and then... One of our constitutional sheriffs out here, uh, Bob Songer, who's not famous nationally, but he should be because he is a great representation of what a constitutional sheriff can do to stand up against tyrannical government. So Washington State, we're ran by what I call the Cuomo of the West for people who don't know Jay Inslee. He's been just as bad with COVID and draconian lockdowns. But a sheriff like Bob Songer, who runs Klickitat County has really stood up for local businesses there let them stay open. And then he's pushed back against um, all the incursions on people's rights, in particular Second Amendment rights. So he said to Joe Biden and to Jay Inslee that his community, his county, is a uh, Second Amendment sanctuary that he will enforce this. He will uphold the Second Amendment rights. So it's great to have uh, his endorsement as well. Also endorsed by the uh, New York City Young Republicans Club and the nice. Bull Moose Project. Well, that's pretty awesome. And yeah, there's just some strong endorsements there. And some, sounds like we got to get that sheriff on this show, right? Some close proximity to Trump world as yeah. well. Uh, I do have a couple of the actual national issues that I want to touch on you real quick. You've already mentioned one. Sure. And I think it's probably in our camp and, and probably yours as well, running as an America first candidate, um, election integrity overall. Um, you know, Donald Trump is referred to the uh, 2020 presidential election as not only rigged and stolen, but as the crime of the century. Um, we have things like the Mike Lindell Cyber Symposium going on starting today. Uh, in addition to a lot of audits, uh, Arizona's wrapping up. It looks like Wisconsin just issued some uh, subpoena feedback to the you know, state legislators there who don't want to uh, abide by the subpoenas that they were given two weeks ago. And then you have Doug Mastriano working his butt off in Pennsylvania and a lot of stuff going uh, on down in uh, you know Michigan with Matt DiPerno. You've got Georgia with Mr. Favorito down there. There's just a lot of moving parts. Um, you did make a comment saying about that, how the, you know, it sounded like you had some disdain with the 2020 presidential election being certified from the state of Washington. Can you give us a little insight onto what your whole perspective is on just exactly, you know, what went on with that and where, where do you feel moving forward? So my number one issue from, from day one has been election integrity. And that's because it's something that, that I feel strongly about. I've done a good deal of research on. I've built my team around that, really. The first paid person on this on this campaign is my general consultant, Matt Brainerd. That name should sound familiar because he ran Trump data and strategy in 2016. And then the election, the voter integrity project that went and found all the ballot level fraud in Georgia, Wisconsin. I believe they're getting ready to drop some, some other reports about other states. Um, so I believe that we can prove that there was enough widespread fraud and irregularities to decertify Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, right there. And so that right there, you, we can say, if we have a venue to lay out all the, the evidence that Biden did not get 270 votes. And yes. so I, I feel that any elected official who's going to just skip over that and, and not focus on that evidence, they're derelict in their duties. The most sacred 
social contract that we have with our country, right, with our government is that we, the people, get to choose those who have the power over us. If that system has been tainted, corrupted, or there's any inclination of fraud in it, and our elected officials aren't willing to say, stop, right. we need to sort this out right now, they're derelict in their duties. And that's the way yeah. I feel about uh, Jamie Herrera Butler, the woman that I'm, I'm running against. On the 6th, I feel that every elected official with the data that we had present at the time, we have so much more data now. I mean, oh, the yeah. friends got into audits hadn't even started yet. Right. But at that point in time, I think every Every single elected official, regardless of party, should have been standing on on their table saying, stop, we're not doing this right now. We may not get the certification done by the 6th, um, but we're going to work really hard to get it done. The problem is every single institution that was charged with being a part of that process, especially the courts, they turn and they hid like cowards. I mean, basically because the left had intimidated them in 2020 that if they don't get their way, they'll burn cities. Um, So I just feel like we had widespread cowardice. I mean, right now, as it stands, with all the great work that's going on with all the patriots that you mentioned with the full forensic audits, I think we're going to be at a juncture very, very soon where we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And this is just with the ballot level fraud, not even the machines that Joe Biden didn't get 270 votes. I think we're going to be in a constitutional crisis at that point because the Democrats are going to do everything they can to stop the states from calling back their electors. I I think state by state, it's going to be hard to see how that's going to play out. So what I think we need to do is come out in such force in 22, peacefully and patriotically, we need to have people out on the streets at the the polling locations to let them know, hey, we're watching this time so that we take the house and the senate back and then when i get into the house i I want to organize a house hearing a congressional hearing where we subpoena witnesses subpoena evidence and we lay it all out for the american people because like i said every other institution was supposed to do that they ran and they turned the head like cowards so here we'll lay it out on congress we have the power of subpoena we can put people under oath lay it out that's going to show the states that hey there was fraud and then from there at the congressional level if we show that there was fraud we can submit impeachment papers for joe biden and kamala harris sure can and, uh, you know, I, I definitely think we there is a squad formulating, not talking about the one that's currently in the House, but yeah. but but I, I guess we can call it a team, you know, getting together and, and, and creating this movement across the country uh, right now that looks like, you know, red wave would be an understatement looking forward to the midterm elections right now and how much steam, you know, this is this is really picking up. Um, I, I want to segue to one of the second largest crises is affecting our country right now, and that's the. Uh, What's going on down on the southwest border? We're down here in San Diego, California. So it, yeah. it affects us probably not as much as in the Rio Grande Valley or, or places like Del Rio and McAllen over in Texas. Uh, but, but still, to, to a certain extent, it, it definitely does. Um, you, you talked about dereliction of duty and things that are impeachable in regards to the election. I don't see how you can't kind of put into the same wavelength uh, some of the stuff that's gone on. Uh, through the Department of Homeland Security at the direction of the Biden administration right now at the southwest border. What do you think about what's going on down there? It's it's an invasion. It's an invasion that Joe Biden invited. But something else I want to call people's attention to, because this is where my opponent comes in, Jamie Herrera Butler. She voted with the Democrats to stop the construction of the southern border wall. Her and many other Republicans that are supposed to be on our side that claim to be law and order candidates, claim to be law and order lawmakers, They turned and they stabbed Trump in the back for the first two years that we had control of the House and the Senate and the executive branch. We could have had an actual wall constructed. We could have had real policies put into place. And it would have been much harder for Joe Biden to have done what he's doing right now. But I I agree with you to your point. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, through their actions and through their policies, they have allowed this invasion, this invasion directed by drug cartels, mind you. 
um, into into our country. So I, I think that's an impeachable offense is there uh, there as well, too. So I think there's a path for impeachment there. I think we need to deploy the U.S. military down there to get this under control. Yeah. Until a wall can be built, reinstate the remain in Mexico policies and then go after foreign aid for all these South American countries and say that they're not getting another penny until they enforce their own borders. And then from there, I think we have to go really hard and heavy after the people that are benefiting from the cheap labor that the um, illegal immigration provides. Go after the employers, let everyone know there's no pathway to citizenship for anyone who's here illegally to include their children, their unborn children, take away that whole incentive of bringing kids across the border. Um, Someone else, man, that the way that the cartels are controlling this and pumping illegal narcotics into the, uh, into the country and criminals into the country that directly affects all of us throughout the entire country. It makes every town a border town. So my district is right between Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, and Olympia, Washington. All of those are sanctuary cities. So yeah. we essentially are a border town. We've had a huge wave of crime going through. A lot of that's because there's lawlessness in all those cities as well. But we've recently seen an uptick in narcotics violence. We just had a sheriff deputy killed two weeks ago here doing counter narcotics operations. So yeah, I, saw, I, know I saw some people, politicians like to pretend like their hands are clean in this, but there's a direct correlation between our politicians letting this happen and then people losing their lives on the front line. That's something that I'm, I'm intimately connected with as a soldier, but then also as someone as who lost their life because of uh, policy failure. Yeah, of course. Well, def- we've talked about it a couple of times before where the more that this creeps into the United States, then we go from the actual border towns being the choke points to, you know, we're going to have like major highways in the United States that are going to be contested by drug organizations. Yeah, it, re- it really is. And, and it's going to, yeah. it's already created so much problems you've seen. I mean, just the other last week in Minnesota, I heard Mike Lindell talking this morning about the person that uh, worked for my pillow that wound up getting murdered there. Yeah. And the person who murdered her, his employee was someone who was in the country illegally and deported five times. I mean, Minnesota is really not any close proximity to the Southwest border, but there you have it. And, uh, you know, we've seen it on the news so yeah. much, uh, over, over the years of just like, uh, the amount of actual economic migrants who are Mexicans coming across the Southwest border right now is probably at an all time low. I think it's under 30%. Yeah. So if people don't understand that there's 180,000 people per month coming in, almost 1,000 unaccompanied children, all with prices on their head, crossing the border uh, almost every week, and 70% of those people aren't Mexican. I mean, I think people think crisis on the border. They think about a whole bunch of Mexican people that are going to come over and be cheap labor and, you know, just kind of assimilate into the Hispanic communities and, you know, just not really bother anybody, but 70% of 180,000 a month, not from Mexico is a lot of people who it's gotta be scary to think about where they're coming from. You know, they're coming from Russia and China, the Ukraine, um, all over the African continent in the middle East. And, uh, quite typically when those people come in, there's a lot of fraud involved in those asylum requests. And then they're not necessarily, uh, quick to assimilate to us customs and cultures as we've seen throughout the migrant problem they've had in Europe since Angela Merkel kind of opened up the doors there over a decade ago. Well, technically there's laws on the books already. So if you commit fraud during the process of your asylum claim, it's supposed to be null and void, but that doesn't seem like that's a thing that's uh, enforced. Well, we all know that about 90% of the totality of asylum requests made don't even show up for their court dates. So that kind of just adds to the problem. So the remain in Mexico is actually, you're right, very important. Hugely important. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I just want to get one more take on something that's kind of, you know, come up in the last 
a few weeks, but more importantly, probably the last 48 hours, and it's the infrastructure bill that's coming across. Uh, looking at a little bit over $1.2 trillion right now, a very small percentage of that going to actual infrastructure. Uh, you do have stuff in there that uh, kind of pr- protects, uh, you know, gender pronouns and funds a whole lot of uh, museums and, and federal-funded buildings that aren't even open due to all the COVID restrictions across the United States and major cities. Um and then you had some surprises, kind of. I think most importantly for me was was Senator Grassley jumped on that late yesterday and voted yes. I know he is a huge infrastructure guy. Um, I know he's getting close to towards the end of his career. He hasn't made an announcement if he's going to run for one more term or not. And I know they've kind of been hounding him on the uh, cable news cycles. But uh, I thought it was kind of weird for – he's been an America First guy kind of throughout here. And then to see his name jump on that along with, you know – Mitch McConnell and all the other usuals, Ben Sass, Cassidy, Murkowski, th- those are the ones that you just expect to do it. Um, wh- what do you feel about the infrastructure bill that's getting passed right now, and why would the Republicans at a time where it seems like we're really starting to get steam in, in the conservative market, would- why would they want to give Joe Biden an L when he's losing his uh, political capital? Um, you know, his poll numbers are finally dipping under 50% for the first time in the mainstream media, which means they're well under 50% legitimately oh yeah um and what do you feel about what's going on with all that man so you know first off i don't think we have any business right now with our debt situation with spending 1.2 trillion dollars really on anything but i mean that's beside the point i mean uh the republicans look this is just the, the traditional gop's playbook like they cave to the democrats every time and they've always got these reasons on like well you know we just sort of needed the infrastructure to get done but when you go through the bill at best it's like 13 percent actually goes to infrastructure hard infrastructure and that includes the broadband the digital infrastructure too so why aren't there if, if republicans believe in that part why aren't they fighting like hell to cut out the other 87 percent of pork and it's not just even pork the vast majority of it for one what's what the the elephant in the room to me is the fact that there's no infrastructure for what we just talked about the border i would think like a border wall (laughs) would be some pretty pretty critical infrastructure but they leave that out of course but about zero percent yeah the 50% of the bill is this Green New Deal nonsense, and in particular, a ton of infrastructure for uh, um, electric car charging stations and electric car infrastructure. And what does that do? That's nothing but a gift to the Chinese Communist Party, because the batteries for all of this, all the all the actual infrastructure for that comes from China, from the slave labor of yeah. China. And that's just going to make China even richer. After all they did to us with the COVID pandemic by sending that over here, we are going to give them some, I believe it's close to 30 billion. Yeah. Um, it's a benefit package for them. It's a slap in the face to every American who had their job and their livelihoods ruined in 2020 that now we're going down this green new deal pathway, which is extremely unproductive to begin with. But then the vehicle that we're going to use for that is this uh, electric vehicle infrastructure, all of which is going to come from China. So there's just so much waste in here. It also uh, disproportionately targets rural communities. There's so much being spent on modernizing our cities and really uh, penalizing people that drive more. There's those excessive uh, high vehicle or high mileage vehicle uh, taxes that are going to hurt rural communities because if you live in the rural communities, you drive more. Yep. also happens that most rural communities are a little bit redder. So you can see who they're they're targeting there. So I don't 
I don't see anything good in this bill. Like I'm for infrastructure. I want to re-onshore a bunch of manufacturing. I think going after and working on our infrastructure there could create a bunch of U.S. jobs. But when 87%, 88% of the bill of the $1.2 trillion that we're going to add on to the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve on the backs of our children and our grandchildren is nothing but going, is going to do nothing but harm to our country. I don't see how these Republicans can justify it. And I think in these, these Republicans need to be held accountable. Absolutely. Um, right before we break with you, there, there has been some breaking news today. I just want to know if you want to weigh in on it. Uh, Andrew Cuomo has announced his resignation uh, on the back end of the sexual allegation, uh, you know, disposition that came down from the New York State Attorney General last week. Uh, I know there were some backroom workings going on that he was trying to say he would, you know, handshake that he wouldn't run again next year if they would just let him finish his term. But I guess they weren't going to be OK with that. Oh, he'll jingle his way back in, I'm sure. Yeah, you've got Gavin Newsom up against, you know, the Coles right now out in California. The, the recall yeah. effort is passed. And, uh, you know, you've got some candidates coming from him right now. And, and if the polls in California are showing that the recall is getting close to 50 percent, it's probably well over that. And then, you, I don't know if you heard, just in the last 20 minutes, um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced that she's putting an end date to her term and, and announcing her retirement is effective as late as the 2022 midterm. That's but, a shocker for me. But maybe earlier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we kind of have some of the, the heavy hitters in the Democratic Party right now who just a couple months ago seemed like they were absolutely untouchable, kind of either getting canceled or canceling themselves. Um do, do you think it's kind of like something that leads into this, uh, you know, new conservative America first movement that's coming and they know that nothing can stop it? I think with Cuomo, he is he is scared of some of the things that we want to bring to light, especially yeah. what happened with the COVID-19 and how it was handled. I mean, yep. it's much easier to resign because you got me too. And yep. that should all be ran down. The guy looks like a serious creep. It looks like he was actually <laughs> abusing women. He's a man. He's a man in power. Like he should be held accountable for that 100 yeah. percent. But it's much easier for him to defend against that than it is the very politically motivated decisions that he made during the pandemic to send the old people back into the old people's home to deny all the aid that President Trump was trying to send to him just to send this message. And then really the media, who's going to run cover? They're going to run the Me Too story. They're not going to talk about the COVID stuff. Nope. And the media would not hold him accountable. You know, he's doing the, the buddy comedy hour crap with his brother on CNN yeah. every night. So I, I frankly think that he took probably the smartest way out because if, if we do continue this momentum we're going to take the house and we're going to take the senate back and then there's going to be congressional inquiries into all of this from the origin of the covid virus to how politicized 2020 was with the way that the covid uh pandemic was handled so that's where i, I think we're at on that nancy pelosi she's probably in that same boat i mean if newsom's going down and she's directly linked to newsom and yep. all that corruption i would imagine I'm, I'm surprised that she i thought that she would go down with the ship for sure um, yeah, but definitely. she's probably finding like, Hey, it's, you know, I've, I've made my money and I've made my fame. Why not, why not get out and, and say that, Hey, I beat Trump and you know, now I'm going to ride off into the sunset. So focus I hope you guys keep cream. the, I hope you guys keep the momentum down there, man, and get rid of, get rid of Newsom. I think that would be huge. If Newsom and Cuomo are taken down, that would be pretty epic. Who do you like in California right now? Just off the bat. Um, I think Larry Elder's probably the most serious one. I don't know him super well. I've listened to his shows a couple times. Um, I was kind of bummed that it looked like just Jenner was going to be the only option. Yeah. I yeah. just was not excited about that. Didn't think that was the direction that we wanted to head. Um, look, looked like a, a publicity stunt to me. So Larry Elder seems like a, a stand-up guy. Um, 
yeah, that's I haven't been following California closely, but I was glad to see there's somebody else other than Jenner. Yeah, that's good to hear. So listen, before we cut with you, we do want to give everybody the opportunity to wherever you are, either on social media, your congressional website, places where they can go find out more about you. They can follow your campaign, uh, donate, which we all encourage our, our listenership to do, you know, for these America First campaigns, because, you know, they're running up against the big time, uh, you know, Democrat money machines and, and tech giants. Yeah, it's just uh, you got you guys are grassroots in it, but still making major, major headway right now. So why don't you tell everybody where they could find you? Jim Kent for congress.com is the easiest one. There's a link tree to all my social media on there. And then okay. if people can make any kind of donation, I'd greatly appreciate it. We're doing really well on individual contributions. We're beating an 11 year incumbent two to one on individual contributions. Only thing keeping Jamie Herr Butler afloat right now is big pack money in particular, big yep. pack money from Kevin McCarthy, the GOP leader who claims that he's all America first and he's fighting for the American people. He's funding half of the impeachment voters. He's funding five of the 10 impeachment voters, including Jamie Herrera Butler. So if people can help me out with two or three bucks, I'd really appreciate that because it goes a really long way to show that we actually have the grassroots and momentum. And by all means, please don't give any money to the GOP or the NRCC. Give only to individual candidates. Yep. Yeah, that's a, we can't stress that enough and we, we have done it from time to time. Listen, we are we are going to hope to get you back on the show eventually, you know, as the campaign kind of heads into the the 2022 election cycle. We were really grateful for having you on today, uh Joe. You know, again, thank you for your service. Obviously, uh you know, everything that's gone on with you and your family, it really looks like you're out here for, you know, the right reasons and doing it the right way and uh we're going to continue to follow your campaign and support you uh moving forward. So much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, jumping into the news, today is day one of PillowFest, Mike Lindell's <laughs> Cyber Symposium, uh, which is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And at the moment, it's being streamed live on frankspeech.com. I caught some of it. Yeah, Pretty so, good. So we, we do have some of the opening takes this morning uh, from Mike Lindell kind of leading us in. Of course, as soon as it went live this morning, it was taken down because of hackers cyber attacks yeah uh, but they had they had some backup plans ready and were able to get it up promptly thereafter and good old mike is looking as tired and disheveled as ever as we jump into our first audio clip of him today because this is the only way we win these next three days if you're out there if you're out there right now if you guys are any live streaming back there we've had we've been attacked by the attack we have backup we're going to be up and running, but i'm going to wait to run that live to start because everyone's got to see everything we got. This is our one chance in history the next three days. We have to beat the media and the big tech and these attackers so that, our, that this gets heard. This has to get heard. It has to be heard around the world. The whole world's heard, um, counting on it. This is, uh, I think one of them I said what Reagan said, if the lights go out here, they go out everywhere. Yep. And this is the hope. This is, a, this is about all Americans. This is whether you're, you know, one of the things too, my, uh, my company, we've been attacked probably more than any company in history, 2,500 employees, and we, have, we just had a, we had a death that, that one of our employees tried, very tragic, and we had a big party, uh, you know, a celebration of her life, and we were all there, and their family was there, but one of the things, we looked around, and there was, there was Democrats, Republicans, there were conservative liberals, all races, black, black, white, Asian, it didn't matter. We're all people, one big family, one nation under God. And I'll tell you, this is what, when we get through this, everybody, when we get through this, 
It, we will. It's going to be glorious. When you watch today, everyone, if you're over here, you're going to see going, wow, this, there is a better path. We pray. I want everyone to pray that the blinders are taken off. The people over here, they said somebody was bad-mouthing people on the left the other day. I was doing a speech, or I was up next, and I got up there. I said, they're not bad people. They've been brainwashed by the, the media. Washed. They've been brainwashed by it. this in our schools and our you know, taking God out of our schools and our, our professors and, and So that was kind of a little bit of the excerpt of the beginning where he was, you know, kind of setting the tone of what's going to be going on over the next couple of days there. Um, some of the tweets that have come out uh, over the course of, you know, the last couple hours. Mike's made a claim that he's going to be able to prove that 100,000 votes were flipped digitally in Arizona. That doesn't count any of the other stuff that's going on with the forensic audit. Uh, in addition to that, um, Has he had any takers for the uh, $5 million prize? That's that's to be announced. He, he does have a very special announcement at 7 p.m. Central Time today, and that's kind of where they've alluded at that. So one of the other reporters, um, somebody from The Revolver tweeted out that it's looking like Mike Lindell may have irrefutable proof that there was foreign interference in the 2020 presidential election, left it at that. Irrefutable. Irrefutable. I like it. So, all right. Petty, are you strong with irrefutable? You like that? You know what I love the most about this guy? Not to get off track. No, but, this, this uh, is the track. We like to hear when people kind of weigh in on him. We I, are the off I track. Like that he would, I like that he smoked crack and invented a pillow. This obviously means he's an outside-the-box thinker because crackheads <laughs> will literally sleep on the side of the street in a bus stop, okay? And he decided to invent the most comfortable pillow ever. So now I have this dude's getting into politics, and he's flipping it upside down and opening up our eyes. Yep. Yeah, we, so I we, think we need to be very open to to Mike right now. Yeah, we, we've seen we've definitely seen MSNBC, CNN, as well as a as a gaggle of local news agencies kind of melt down over the last couple of weeks. Um, some big time publications like the Atlantic all try to say that what he's doing right now is a direct threat to democracy, and the only viable solution they can come to in all of these articles and these hit pieces was. So what if he does prove it, and then it shows that we have an illegitimate president occupying the White House right now? Like, that's their big fear. Oops. Yeah, imagine that. That'd be so nuts. Yeah, it really So can, can somebody clarify? I know I'm not the only one out there. Uh, so the $5 million deal, he basically put that out there for somebody to prove him wrong? Is that what he's saying? Yes. Yeah. So, so he, he's claiming to have some things, both hardware and software, that nobody else has. Um, we've been led to believe, because we've talked to some people kind of in the inner circle of those guys, uh, that they've had people go all over the world and retrieve some of the actual servers that were used uh, on the other end of the pond in the hacking of the 2020 presidential election. Pillow Team 6. Yes, Pillow Team 6. Pillow Team So, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to look out um, and really be wary of what he just might have. He does talk about Red Team a little bit this morning, too. Mm -hmm. Um, did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, let's kind of listen and see what, what that whole insight was. Weeks ago, um, Mike asked us to put together a, a red team and begin to, to start looking at some of the information and collating the information, aggregate, tying it to other we're things. We're talking about the known. electronic information that Correct. we're going to be distributing. Correct, the electronic, the electronic yes. information. So uh, we, we pulled together a, a small team, lots of different skill sets, uh, mostly military folks who have been in the uh, electronic attack uh, business, the, the cyber business, 
some security folks, some civilian uh, folks who've got a lot of uh, information systems experience, experience coders, and really began to put that team together and come up with a plan to exploit, to analyze the, a lot of the, the information and uh, tie that back together to known points. You know, how, how does this correlate to what we already know, the, the, the uh, Edison Research JSON data, uh, information from the Antrim County, Michigan um, forensic analysis, um, hopefully soon with the Arizona um, forensic analysis. And, and there's several other uh, forensic analysis who've gone on around the country. Some of them are still uh, maintained under a, a court protective order, but all of those things uh, moving forward and, and to, to correlate to what happens in real world in your states. So there was a little bit kind of an insight of some of the people they had working with and some of the things that they were, you know, accustomed to using in their fields of expertise. We do have, you know, people who have come out to be working on this thing like Seth Keschel, who was a military intelligence officer for an extremely long time. Uh, had some of the highest levels of clearance in addition to people like Colonel Waldron who went around the original Stop the Steal with Rudy Giuliani kind kind of trying to, you know, really show people what some of the stuff that was going on was. And at, at one point in his career, especially towards the end, he was the third highest ranking official in the Air Force and, you know, was basically the director of intelligence for them. So it's not like they're just pulling people off the streets. These aren't rival pillow dealers that he's got kind of going around in like a pillow gang saying that the election was rigged and stolen. A lot of snapping. Yeah, exactly. The best parts of the Anchorman movies. Mm. But, uh, oh man, if they ever make another one, he's going to have to be in it. Mike, you killed a guy with a trident. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he's definitely going to have to be in it. But it's just kind of one of those things where, uh, you know, you really have to see where, uh, you know, this is all coming from. Uh, I know Mike definitely wanted to get the crowd hyped up, and um, before he got things rolling today with some of his documentary work, he did have a message for our friends over at Dominion um, in regards to, uh, you know, what they should be doing with their machines right now. (laughs) Yeah. Dominion! Guess what? After today, there, you better you better melt down those machines and use them for prison bars. So that's kind of how he got the crowd into it right before he cut to his first excerpts from some of the documentary work that they were going to be showing um, during day one of the symposium. I don't feel like those would be very strong prison bars, though, because those machines are probably made in China and made out of plastic. And Where are they made? China. Yeah. Sure are. I wonder if he had that one in the chamber or if he just freestyled that off the top of the head at the moment, you know, because that's I... a pretty hard bar right there. So one of the things no I pun like, intended. one no. of the things I like about Mike Lindell, besides the fact that he just always looks a little rough around the edges and like nutty professor-ish. We've seen him in real life. It's definitely, it's yeah. not a character he, he almost gets into. fell up the stairs. Yeah. Uh, wow. Not really, but yeah. It's, uh, but he, if he was more well-spoken and didn't have his like uh, 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 you know thing like he would be less charming like if he was just like this smooth right you know like he's got the alex jones is a more expensive suit you know maybe. what I, you know what I, I mean those are probably expensive suits i don't know how many takes of his commercials do you think they have to go through for as messed up as you know he's kind of fumbling all over his words all the time i don't know i feel like he probably nails the pillows pretty good think so yeah literally or figuratively <laughs> it's awkward <laughs> oh man how about new no? sleep well america yeah so that's kind of where we're at with that. 
Um, get, just segueing back real quick to Joe Kent, who's running in Washington, who we just spoke to uh, not too long ago. You know, he did briefly mention that some of the stuff that he saw throughout the election cycle in 2020 definitely parallels and rivals a lot of the things he saw in destabilized parts of the world that he worked in, both as a Green Beret and a CIA operative. So to have someone who kind of had his boots on the ground in situations like these um, is always good to have for a reference. It's just sad to see that the destabilized country we're talking about at the moment happens to be the United States of America. Yeah, it's awkward when it's us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty terrible. Um, whatchamacallit, you know, we're going to jump in to stop the steal now. And that stuff is still going on regardless of the cyber symposium, which we'll have a full breakdown of the rest of it on our Friday show this week. Um, you know, getting into uh, things from Arizona, we had a couple good clips last week uh, where we played Sonny Borelli and Wendy Rogers, and they were kind of firing shots across the bow of, you know, some of their non-workables with in Arizona. And they were kind of taking them to uh, task, basically talking about how, you know, not following subpoenas as like a normal person usually leads to jail time. And now we've issued a whole second round of them and you're just not listening to them at all. Like she was trying to figure out what the, uh, you know, major malfunction was with these people. And um, I keep saying this, but I don't think I would have gotten past one subpoena. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Lord Petty, if you as a normal person, if you're subpoenaed by a court to do something, do you crumple it up and throw it in the garbage can, or do you probably abide by it in lieu of jail? Well, time? no, but if you do, you probably go to jail. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, I don't think I'm that thuggish, so I would have to say I would probably follow directions there and do what I'm supposed to. Cause... Do you show up for jury duty? Uh, you know, the only time I've ever been summoned for jury duty, I actually lived in California, so I just never reported. So maybe I have a warrant out for me. I also have a gang head out on me right now, dude. Ooh. So maybe oh. maybe there's both sides after me at this point. So. Oh, you want to allude to the gang head? Yeah. And now I'm yeah, interested. I, I, it's not I a, it's not a, a pillow gang, is it? <laughs> no, it was some, I don't know, some guy in California, I don't know, some street gang. And uh, I called him a dork online, and he's like, dude, yeah, it's, it'd be too bad if something happened to you. Oh. Like, all right, bro. Do we? <laughs> yeah, we probably shouldn't mention what street gang it is. Yeah, yeah, but don't I don't know. Validate. I, think it's, I think it's hilarious if you're like this hardcore gangster, and then somebody calls you a dork online, and you crumble over that. You're willing to do ten for your homeboy selling crack, but I call you a dork, and you're willing to come and fight me. Come on, dude. Yeah, uh, three thousand miles away. So, all anyway, right. as far as this tell you what, I'm getting on yes, the bus. I would show up. Yeah, definitely showing up. Um, yeah. So, CNN. After those statements by Sonny Borelli and Wendy Rogers last week, decided to do a, a weekend segment piece on one of the individuals named and who wasn't complying with the subpoenas in Arizona, uh, which kind of sounds like panic to me. But you're, you're going to be surprised. Do you remember, Noah, we talked about it maybe a couple months ago. It was right after Mike Lindell was kicked out of that Tennessee GOP <laughs> high rollers yeah. by... Ducey from Arizona and Kemp from Georgia, they kind of... Yeah, the one he got invited to, and then he showed up, and they're like, just kidding. Right, and then the next day he sent uh, Vernon Jones over to Brian Kemp's house with uh, a family's amount worth of my pillows and delivered them to him. 
Well, there was something a little bit different delivered to some of the uh, county board of executives in Arizona for Wendy Rogers last week. And CNN, oh. yeah, wants to talk about that little present that was delivered. Check your six. That's the message from one Republican Arizona state senator threatening members of her own party to watch their backs for refusing to push the big lie and support the baseless Arizona election audit. Stop it. State Senator Wendy Rogers sending out a fundraising email saying, quote, personally, I think they should be in jail. Let me put it this way. I'm Air Force and State Senator Sonny Borelli is a Marine. We are coming for you. You'd better check your six. One of those members of the board is a, of the board of supervisors that, that they're talking it? about. Bill Gates actually also received this orange prison jumpsuit in the mail today after she sent oh, out that email calling for them to be put in jail. Out front now, Bill Gates, the Republican vice chairman of Maricopa County's board of supervisors. Thank you for coming in, Bill. Um, you're, you've been dealing you've been dealing with this sham audit for months now but now being threatened and warned by other elected Republicans to watch your back can you just talk to me about the level of threats that you have been receiving especially now yeah unfortunately uh, the threats continue and and they're not simply organic they're being driven unfortunately by members of the Arizona State Senate and other Republicans across the country. Um, we have uh, we received phone calls uh, into our offices at the Board of Supervisors, our staff, uh, you know, saying that our families are going to be slaughtered and threatening us to stop standing up for the good elections workers of Maricopa County. I want to offer some context here. You are now being targeted because you are standing up against the sham audit altogether. That's the key but word of this one. specifically because you're refusing now to hand over routers used by the county's election division, which the state Senate has tried to subpoena multiple times. The same thing former President Trump and his supporters are also calling for. Let me play this for folks. They don't want to give up the routers. They don't want to give them. They are fighting like hell. Why are these commissioners fighting not to give the routers? We're going to pull the packet captures out of the routers, and then we're going to have a cyber guy. Uh, he'll read it, and he'll go, here's what happened. Computer ID, boom. Here's who did it. Here was the attacker. Here was the attackee. Now, importantly, this is a wild and baseless conspiracy right theory that yeah, voting machines in your county were connected to the Internet on Election Day, and somehow... Italian satellites were utilized to change votes from Trump to Biden. So, what do you think? Italian sal satellites? Italy gate for, for another month in a row creeps back into... Here's the thing. I mean, you could just hear the way she says, what is she, sham audit, over and over. They know. CNN would not have interviewed Mike Lindell for almost three hours last weekend and turned it into like a 12-minute segment yeah. on like their Sunday night week rap show right if they didn't know yeah like why would they even entertain it? if somebody says oh lord petty touches kids i would just laugh like i wouldn't even acknowledge it you know what yeah. i mean but the fact that they're going so deep into it and they're making all these stories out of it why are you even entertaining it if it's so stupid let it fall to the side yeah exactly and let mike lindell just be some dis disheveled old pillow farmer who's going around saying that the election was stolen and this that you know waving his briefcase around and and people just making memes about him well it feels like they need to they need to ha have people be aware of him so they can smear him better that's probably really the only reason just yeah. enough of they enough of a you know like he's gonna say something that we can twist and tweak and make him look stupid
yeah, it's it's definitely uh, something that needs to be uh, looked at more. And we're going to do some live updates. Mike Lindell just announced at the Cyber Symposium that Donald Trump won Michigan by 300,000 votes. Oh, that's so, a lot. Yeah. Hopefully you've tuned in to Frank's speech in lieu of not listening to this show. But in the meantime, because this will be out later today and this news is breaking now, which is midday, yeah. 1.30-ish Pacific time. So, yeah, that's just uh, some stuff to keep in mind. Uh, moving on to Pennsylvania, one of our good friends, awesome shit talkers, um, Doug Mastriano, who watched the uh, subpoenas expire on July 31st, is uh, preparing to kick things up a notch there. Um, this came off the heels of him visiting the election audit in Maricopa County. Uh, he took the first step of doing it in Pennsylvania by issuing subpoenas for a lot of the stuff that they've been asking for in all of the states, the routers, the voter rolls, the ballots, this, that, and the other thing. Um, the state supervisors there had until the 31st of July to comply, which they refused. And then Mastriano went on one of the cable news shows over the weekend and said, now it's on. Uh, as soon as he gets quorum, he will have a meeting. They will vote on drafting subpoenas. And then he said, that's where the fun begins. Uh, he said they're not going to play it like an Arizona style where they're just going to let the subpoenas come, go, and expire. These will lead to criminal injunctions if they're not met. So that's kind of where we're at there in Pennsylvania. Um, some other news that came out of there this week, and the only other thing I picked up from there, um, coming off some of those Seth Keschel reports, he's been QCing some of the voter rolls before they purge some of them in Pennsylvania and found that this week a 134-year-old man who voted in the 2020 presidential election born in 1886, appears to uh, have registered to vote for the first time back in 1998 of his entire life. Back in my day. Right? <laughs> they think it's pretty funny that this man waited till the ripe old age of 112 to register as a voter in the state of uh, Pennsylvania and then participate in the 2020 presidential election at 134. Well, you know what they say. It's not the years, it's the mileage. Yeah. <laughs> so he also said, coming out of one of the biggest uh, counties there where they saw fraud, almost 40%, uh, Erie County. All of the voters registered for the 2020 election in the entire county there were registered on the first day of any given month. Just wow. com comes up as a big blip. Every time the first would come along, they just have a upheaval of brand new Democratic voters. No scattered throughout the month, just the first of the month, every month leading up to the election. Have you guys ever had somebody just that was actually super, super, super far on the left come on this show and just try to explain these things? I've reached out to several and nobody will come on. No takers. Yeah. I mean, we, we like to deep dive into the numbers and the stats. We don't just say like one person said it and then report it on the show as like God's word. Mm. We'll usually use several references and kind of frame it over the course of months sometimes like we have with the election. It would be pretty hard to come on and, and debate at least the numbers. Because yeah. I just, I just feel like, sorry, I mean, uh, I feel like, no, go ahead. Pe I feel like people either look into the things or they don't. You can't look into things and still be on that side. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they just kind of pretend that this is not happening. Well, every conversation I've had, not specifically about that exact subject, but coronavirus, you know, masks, this, that, and the other thing, it's like they can never bind themselves into the box of what you're talking about. It always has to come out of the box and go to something bullshit. Right, like, not connected. Yeah, just not connected, but, you know, you're going to take, you know, I, I'm making a good point here, so then, of course, you branch off to QAnon conspiracy theorists and tinfoil hat, and I'm like, okay, well, 
you can take the most ridiculous claim of whatever side, but we're still talking about this box right here, and these are the things that we're talking about. Yeah. And you're changing the subject, basically. That's Every conversation I've had has been exactly like that. It's, it's just very strange to me that these type of people don't like to question their beliefs. I'm constantly trying to question things. You know, Some people like to lift heavy weights. I like to lift heavy things in my head, trying to be like, okay, is the thing that I'm thinking doesn't make sense? And I feel like these people, they just don't have these conversations yeah. to kind of get clarity. And it's just a really weird thing. I can't really put it together. Yeah, they live in a weird place in their own yeah. head where they just have to rationalize everything because I've spoken about this before. It's like challenging what you believe as a person it attacks like the absolute core of your being. It's it's like offending you to your core to to be wrong. And they're just unwilling to it's the people that are smart enough to wake up and realize that, okay, now this sounds like bullshit. Like the people that they owned businesses and the coronavirus lockdown actually affected them. So they're just like, okay, well now this sounds kind of fucked up. Yeah. I mean it, they keep telling me to do stuff and I did it. I'm now bankrupt and losing my business. And now you're going to lock me down again, and I still have to wear this diaper on my face. Well, I see other people who are telling me I need to do it, not doing it. And not only are they undoing it, they're doing—they're not doing it worse than ever before. And they're doing it with DJs at their birthday party. We'll get into that mm-hmm. later. What an asshole. Um, Georgia this week had some breaking news. Um, John Solomon had a report on, I guess we could go around and take the poll. Since we're going to reference Steve Bannon's war room. Oh, right. Is Steve Bannon cue me? No. Noah? Nope. Ivana? She says no. Mr. Petty? I don't know enough to speak on it, to be honest. No? I like it. We'll, Respectable. We'll take, yeah. We'll take that as an abstain. Um, but, but went on there to discuss some of the things that uh, have been going on in Georgia as those cases roll towards a forensic audit, which are definitely going to happen. If they're just caught up in court right now. Um, I thought his report was extremely interesting, especially when they talk about some of the ballots that they've found now through FOIA acts that they've been able to use in, uh, showing just exactly what went down there during the course of the, uh, days after the election happened. A uh, really remarkable moment. We start with this uh, anecdote a day after the November election, uh, as Donald Trump and other Republicans clung to evaporating leads in Georgia, vote counters in Atlanta were confronted by a paper ballot known only by its anonymizing number, 5150-232-18. A Dominion voting machine had rejected the ballot on election night because the voter had filled in boxes for both Trump and Democratic opponent Joe Biden, an error known as an overvote. The machine determined neither candidate should get a tally, and the ballot was referred to human review. The image of the ballot obtained by Just the News uh, shows the voter messily scribbled a large blob next to Donald Trump's name for president while putting a thinner check mark next to Joe Biden. At 16, uh, 6.10 p.m. Eastern Time on November 4th, a full 24 hours after the ballot was first scanned and rejected by machine 5150, a panel of humans decided the vote should be awarded to Biden, and in so doing, they removed a mark next to the name of Donald J. Trump. You can see that ballot here. We've actually put the ballot up on the site. So pretty remarkable thing known as adjudication. Humans making decisions, altering ballots the day after the election uh, to try to count as many uh, ballots as possible. As you got this information, John, how prevalent is this? How, because this is all news, and we were told this is the most straightforward uh, and you actually yeah. say you think a lot of these were flipped from Trump to Biden. 
how how, yeah, how yeah, big a deal is this? How broad is it going to be? And why is it and why is it just coming up now when we've been told this is the most this is the safest election in the history of Georgia? Yeah, it's a, well because it took that long to get Fulton County to give up these records. We got these under a Freedom of Information uh, Act request. Uh, the county dragged its feet, didn't really want to give us the records. We got them. Uh, about three percent of all the paper ballots that were counted in Fulton County, about 140,000 paper ballots, about three percent or 5,000 of them uh, were uh, rejected by machines and had to go to humans. And what you find is that there's no standard by the humans. Sometimes they count a vote, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they count a, boy, a, a ballot that had the word spoiled on it, which under the law you're not allowed to count. Sometimes they didn't count a ballot uh, when it was marked spoiled. It was completely to the discretion of uh, humans. And let's keep in mind when they're doing this. They're not doing it on election light when they don't know who's winning or losing. They're doing it the day after when they know Donald Trump's lead is shrinking. There's the big and so right there. if they had mm -hmm. a political bias, picking a, a Joe Biden over a Donald Trump in a ballot where both names were checked uh, could be a temptation for them. So there's kind of, you know, what, what he was alluding to. And he would go on to say, like, he did a small sample group of like 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats, and he showed a sample of one of the ballots he was able to retrieve through his Freedom of Information Act request. And he said all 10 Republicans said that that would be a vote for Donald Trump and all 10 Democrats said that that would be a vote for Joe Biden. Uh, even though the sample that they showed clearly, you know, you could see it on there. If you go to, you know, find the report to say John Solomon, do a web search for talks about um, Georgia voting FOIA request. Well, so describe what the actual ballot looked like that you're talking about. Was there equal no, it marks was, or this is the it, one where it was like scribbled bigger? And no, was, this was a someone a human filled in for Donald Trump. And, and as much of the circle as Ken has filled in, it looks like a human filled it in with a pen or a pencil. Uh -huh. And then for Joe Biden, it would be a check mark. That vote was kicked by the machine. Oh. So, but when the, when the votes went to be counted after the actual election and when the current updated numbers were tallying with Donald Trump still winning an overwhelming majority of those, he said up to 3% um, were given to Joe Biden. Well, that would, in that particular case, if I was looking at it, I would have to look at the rest of the ballot right. and are the, the circles filled in or are they checked? Does the check mark consistently come out of the circle? Therefore, the scribble was trying to obscure the actual check mark. What it sounds there be a lot of details. What it sounds to me like, and they didn't really allude to there, is that they took ballots that were voted for Donald Trump. Someone check marked Joe Biden and then counted them as Joe Biden. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think they really were ready to make that accusation. I mean, uh, you know, Lord Petty, we're talking about voter integrity and election stuff. Now, you know, safest and most secure election in the history of the world are things that this election has been referenced to. Uh, just in Georgia alone, where we're at right now, we've seen uh, several things there. Number one, chain of custody, uh, which means like you finish a box of ballots, it gets certified, it gets, you know, adjudicated, they make a tally, uh, they write all this stuff down, and it all has to stay together. We've seen... You can't just leave it in an alley. Hundreds of thousands of ballots in Georgia where there's ballots that are just thrown into boxes without any chain of custody paperwork. That's number one. Mm -hmm. uh, we have this report from John Solomon. That's number two. Um Georgia's also planned on and has already removed 187,000 voters from the people who supposedly voted in 2020 who either are dead or no longer live in the county of that they voted in or state of Georgia anymore. Um, in addition to a whole bunch of other things, like just someone, you know, who's kind of on the outside and, and just kind of getting their feet wet in this stuff. 
you you hear all the most prominent names in the government go on TV and say safest, most secure election in the history of the United States, and you kind of have to believe them. But then when you hear reports like this, um, Freedom of Information Act request is basically what this news agency required or um, filled out and sent in. And what they have to do is they had to actually give them official copies of the stuff that was used in the election, which shows that there was obvious at least a little bit of fraud to, to say the least. And you just request like a sample, like a, I guess, I guess they wanted, they said for research purposes, they wanted a, a sample of those ballots that were either spoiled or counted after the official vote tally. Got it. And that would be a smaller cross section to look at. So they could conceivably ask for the whole thing and be able to look at them. And that was just in Fulton County. So what do you think it, about that stuff? Kind of seeing it as every week, more and more, it kind of builds up to it, like a reality. It's just so ridiculous because if there's anything that's just been consistent in my whole entire life, to quote my boy Dave Ramsey, if there's smoke, there's fire. Okay, you know, yeah. somebody's trying to hide something, they're hiding something, hundred percent of the time. And a big thing I never hear about either is this, this is what happened to me in my ballot. Uh, I got contacted by a third party, some sort of voter organization. I don't know, but they told me that my signature didn't match up. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, I voted for Big Forty Five. Okay, I like and it. I'm in. And I'm in Seattle. And you know what the social climate is like up here? Uh, you know, the the insurrection claiming people who took over six blocks of a major city. Yes. But anyways, uh, so these people, it is very clear what the narrative is up here. So I vote for Big 45 and my ballot comes back saying that the signatures don't uh, don't match up. Weird. So, I'll imagine that. And, and so here's the crazy thing, right? So then I get on Instagram on my personal one, like nothing public, just like, you know, people I've worked with, gone to high school with, stuff like that, uh, government name people. And uh, I, I basically say that, yeah, my signatures didn't match up. I had, and I, on my personal page, I mean, I only have like 500 followers or something like that. I had 30 people respond, yeah, I got the same thing. Uh, let me guess, all Republicans. All Republicans, and then I asked them too. You know, I didn't want to be too nosy. I asked them like, well, what did you vote? And all of them were Trump. They said that they said that their uh, signatures didn't match up. And I know it sounds kind of nutty, conspiracy, whatever, but what doesn't at this point? You know, like what doesn't sound I wouldn't put it past somebody to sit there and be like, oh, well, who's deciding this? Who is overlooking what when the signatures match up? Uh, It was such a landslide, you know, blue wave up here to where I didn't even contest it. I was just like, man, screw it. You know, right. Uh, Well, that's the thing, you know, uh, down here in California, we've seen a lot of the same you know, kind of stuff over the years, but there was just such a, a, a resurgence of, um, I don't want to call it like nationalism, you know, over the last election cycle where you had places. Patriotism? Yeah. Just loving what's going on with the president and loving the country. We, you've had, you know, thousand boat boat parades in San Diego Harbor. You've had like, um, what's that place called in, in LA where it's all like the fancy stores and stuff? Beverly Hills? Yeah. Yeah. Occupied with Trump rallies, not dozens, not hundreds, thousands of people, you know, doing parades down the streets. You've had almost every major highway in California has at some point adorned a Hollywood style Trump or Trump one. Uh, You know, and it's just you've never seen stuff like that before in California for decades. And uh, it's still going on now. Well, it's people that before it wasn't something that they were going to transmit to the general public. But now right. it's just like everything's so ridiculous. They're just like, you know yeah. what? I'm fucking fed up. I want to be ridiculous Fuck too. Fuck all of you. Yeah. Here we yeah. go. I want to be ridiculous That's exactly too. exactly how I feel. Oh, scissor me timbers. We can go with one of those. Yeah, you know, why not? So <laughs> never hate that. Um, yeah, so we did have a lot of stuff. Uh, I do have some 
some Seth Keschel. He he talked with uh, Natalie Harp. Um, I apologize, and I apologized last week. For some reason, her voice is only set at one tone. She yells when she talks. Um, it's not a real good look for someone who does, like, you know, the cable news every night, but she just, you, you heard it last week, and, and you're going to hear it again. It's a brief clip just talking about some of the stuff that was going on down in uh, Georgia, but I, I definitely think it's good. That so we, it's non-regional diction, but it's really loud. We hit it while while she hits her pitch. Yeah. We should all just start yelling after this, too. Right? Oh, abso- absolutely. It's definitely something. Yeah. What do you think was the biggest fraud? We saw lots of types of fraud. Dead people voting, minors voting, people having their identities stolen, felons voting. From what you see, where do you think most of these numbers are coming from? Or are they just made up ballots? It depends on where. I mean, not all, not all counties are the same. Some of these, we have these phantom voters that you've heard of. These are voters that appear to be registered at at courthouses or they're at addresses that have no property built on them. There's 10 people in one home. Uh, these are the phantom voters. And you can see a number of states compared to the last four, eight, 12 years, Georgia being one of them. But some of the ones that are outside of people's consciousness right now are like New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, you had 13,000 new registered voters from 2012 to 2016. But now from 2016 to 2020, in a tiny state like that, 200,000. Mm. new net registered voters. So these phantoms, okay? So some of this is electronic. A lot of it's good old-fashioned ballot stuffing in the urban centers. There's paper. And that's where we talk about the mail-in ballots with no creases. So there's many ways of committing these sort of acts, and which is why the only reason that we're going to get to the bottom of it and probably why we're not so far allowed to is because that will help us figure out exactly how much and where. And the fact that you actually found this all out simply by looking at publicly available information, the state senates that have the authority to subpoena information get even additional records. You can only imagine how much fraud would be uncovered if people would simply have the courage that you did to uncover this. Seth, keep us posted. We know you're testifying at that Washington hearing as well. And we'll look forward to seeing what you're doing because truth will out and it's definitely coming out. Yep, thank you, Natalie, for having me on. We'll look forward yeah, to- he's going to be up in your state not too long from now testifying on a voter integrity issue case up there where they're trying to audit, it, I think, two of the counties in Washington state. So, Is it wrong that I want to go out in public and like set up a, a table somewhere on like a boardwalk and be like... The Stephen Crowder table? Yeah, the Stephen Crowder table, mm-hmm. and then I'm just going to have an envelope and a piece of paper and a mailbox that only the envelope fits in. Okay. And I'm going to pay people $5,000 if they can... I don't have five million dollars. Right. Actually, I don't have five thousand dollars. But all right, fifty bucks. If you can get this in the envelope and in the mailbox without folding the paper. Ooh, we've seen that one before. Right. Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the best ways to round up "Stop the Steal" is to talk about the Godfather of it all, <laughs> Mister Rigged and Stolen Election, <laughs> Crime of the Century himself, Donald Trump. He joined Dan Bongino this weekend, and it, the, the following yes. following the interview created quite a firestorm. Um, Liz Harrington, his new handler and former Breitbart executive, man, that tree has branched out. You have Steve Bannon, Raheem Kassam, you have the Hoft brothers over at the Gateway Pundit, mm-hmm. and now Liz Harrington, all branched out from the original Andrew Breitbart family tree and now are doing a lot of things that kind of all encompass Trump. Uh, besides her, they kind of keep their hands directly out of it, but... You have to think the the biggest and most major news organization that supported him overall over the years now all has their high ranking executives all over the place doing either podcasts or being his personal advisor, uh, running online publications and stuff like that. 
Um, but he joined Dan Bongino in a, in a show that he runs on Fox News over the weekend called Unfiltered. However, when it made the news the next day, uh, it just so happened that Fox News itself decided to filter it and leave out segments where Donald Trump talked about the crime of the century. That's ironic. Yeah, so Dan Bongino had to kind of backpedal on social media saying that, like, you know, his show is called that for such reason and kind of blamed it on Fox News. Let's stay tuned to see if he keeps that show spot. And Fox is kind of dropping the ball a little bit. And Donald Trump went out and put the unedited clip all over social media <laughs> anyway. So we're, we're going to listen to the unedited by, part. By proxy, now. of course, because he's banned from all social media. Yeah, just... Oh, yeah, sorry. he really no. needs to go on Rogan is what he needs to do. No, a lot of people have been calling for it. Um, while I'm pulling this up now, Emerald Robinson from Newsmax just tweeted, there are more people watching a pillow manufacturer's live feed than all of Joe <laughs> Biden's videos <laughs> combined. combined. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't really beat that. They're just hitting it from all angles right now. It feels like it's going to be a good, good 80 month. million votes. Million votes. So, I, got so I guess votes. what's the solution going forward, though? You know, with all this voter fraud, I mean, it's not even a discussion. It's just a matter of, you know, putting it in the public eye at this point. But going forward, what's the solution to prevent it? Well, I think we're going to have to come to the get to a conclusion on just what happened. If we could identify some of the real reasons how this election was rigged and stolen, um, and really identify them, whether it was foreign interference via the packet capture from Mike Lindell's thing, whether it was, like they say in Arizona, there's going to be, you know, in excess of 200,000 ballots that aren't counted for some reason or another. The person doesn't exist. They're dead. They don't live in the state anymore. Um, and their votes were allowed to be counted. Um, or just, you know, coordinated bad humans doing bad things. Like there was that Time news article that we reference on this show. Often it came out in February I'll send you the link. I don't know if you ever read it. It's quite a long uh, read, but it's it. The name of the article is literally like the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 presidential election, and it talks. Saved. It talks about how a, how a former high ranking Obama administration official coordinated with some of the largest labor unions in the country and big tech to basically destroy Dr Donald Trump's name across the board for the. This is Hunter Biden laptop troops, mm -hmm. Russian bounty, dying in Syria, COVID virus, like. They literally would have nationwide Zoom meetings and say, how can we ruin this guy and make him look bad? Yep. That just at the very least, you know, is part of it. If it changed one vote, it's it's one vote too much just by, if it's based on pure lies. See, this so. is why I want to be a politician. I just want to sit around and trash my colleagues and get promoted for it. Sounds great. Right? You can do that in any job. You have a... You have a you have a hundred and seventy thousand dollar a year salary, which are worth like twenty one million dollars, like most of the ones who have been in Washington for a while are. Is based off of your I'm not good at math, but that seems a little insider weird. tradings and yeah. stuff. And just Nancy Pelosi alone, since January, her husband's made seven million dollars off of the uh, electric car crap going on. And you just you just can't make this stuff up. So yeah. you know it, it's it's just a shame. But, but back to your back to your point about what the solution is, like. They're going to have to really carefully construct something that, because the way the society that we're living in now, people you are- You said a society. Uh, Second Joker reference today. Got it. Uh, the society that we're living in now, it's the human element is completely fallible because on both sides, there's the people on the left that by any means necessary, they have to win. Mm -hmm. And then there's people on the right I'll they want to play nice. They, well, no, they want to play nice. Or then there's the people on the right that are going to be like, 
well, they cheated so hard this time, we're going to take it back. So then it's just you can't trust anybody. And then we're also living in a technological age where there's literally nothing safe. Like, they could probably hack into this fucking mixer that we're using right now and do some fucked up shit. Like, who yeah. knows? Like, Well, have you guys seen the video of Butthole Biden himself back in 2004, I think it was? He's talking about the Dominion machines, how you can... Uh... He, there's literally a video i've posted it before so yeah. i can dig it up and send it to you guys yeah we, but he he's this is before the dimension everything he used to be a really sharp guy like he used to be really with it that's another he used to be a whole totally other different can person. of worms he used to be really racist wait he used to be <laughs> yeah but you he never was very that. very cognitive he was talking about yeah people can mess with these machines yeah and this was around the time like obama's first term you know around that time he's like we need to make sure we have a secure election because these machines can be tampered with and that's yeah. when, that's when everybody's using like nokia's and blackberries now now just right. imagine several several shows ago i don't even remember how many i played all those clips and it yep. was literally them saying two and a half minute montage the exact same thing that we're saying right now that you know these are foreign influence companies who nobody has the proprietary software access it's everything we're seeing right now and it's like you can't tell anybody that like anybody that's on the left or anybody that's like totally riding for biden they're just like nope everything's fine safe is the most secure election got my mask on you know it was delta variant you know it wasn't safe and secure ligma variant sigma variant yeah. coming in september <laughs> no there we go <laughs> all right here we go let's hear some donald trump and, and let's see what was so spicy for fox news that they had to filter the show unfiltered it's a disgrace what's happening. And I don't think the country's going to stand for it much longer. They're, they're disgusted. You have a fake election. You have an election with uh, voter abuse and, and with uh, voter fraud like nobody's ever seen before. And based on that and based on what happened, uh, they're destroying our country, whether it's at the border, whether it's on crime. I could say in plenty of instances, including military, you look at the leaders of military, the woke the woke leaders of military, we have to focus on our great military for what it's supposed to be, to protect us against very powerful countries like Russia and China and others who don't exactly love us. It was right at where he said, whether it's at the border, that Fox News decided to pick it up and left out everything previous to that, where he talked about how the election was so disgusting, rigged and stolen in the crime of the century. So you didn't really hear Dan Bongino kind of interacted with them too much during that commentary either because they know i mean other than tucker carlson who we all know is paid off and is only allowed to say what his handlers say he could say on tv he's the only one that's been allowed to weigh in on any of this election stuff and i always think that they can't say it in the mainstream media fox cnn msnbc for sure unless it's soft disclosure to the public for what they already know has been proven and they cannot stop from coming out yep so but besides that you know, all that stuff is just completely under the radar when it comes to the people who work nine to fives and then go home and work their televisions from five to nine. So, you know, that's kind of where we, as I don't want to even call it content providers, news commentary influencers, not even, um, you know, have to kind of hold the line in regards to at least telling people, okay, well, like all the stuff you saw in Wolf Blitzer and, and Randy Maddow all week is probably cool. Good old Randy. But, but there are some other things that are really going on, and we're going to kind of back it up with either audio clips or, you know, visual references and stuff like that. So Visual references? Yeah, well, you know, when, when we read the articles and we reference them, our friends over at the National File, good old yeah. Tom Pappy. Um, we got a segue to coronavirus stuff now. 
Do I, have to? I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to, and everybody's sick of listening to it. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, we've kind of uh, reached a stage right now to where we're kind of, just like with the election, pulling the wool back and, and the curtains back on, on the stuff that's been hidden for, you know, the last year and a half, if not longer. Because I feel like for something as coordinated and as worldwide as this, it would have, you know, we've seen those idiots over at Davos draft things like this for decades and you know it's just one of those things where um right now we're at a point to where the people had given up so fast and they're kind of just waiting for the pushback to see where they could draw the line and then redraft whatever the next big global bullshit bullshit. yeah whatever will be um interesting enough and again on steve bannon's war room not q this week he had on a couple guests who were talking about Following the paper trail, which leads back to some of the wives. I bet you guys didn't know uh, before the segment started, but you will be completely educated on in a few short minutes, how just connected Dr. Fauci's wife is to everything that's going on with all of this stuff involving coronavirus. Like making money off it? or No, like how about approving all the grants for gain of functioning? Oh, how, yeah. how about she works directly in for the organizations that not only approves the money, but then directs where it goes. Well, that's where the kickbacks come in. It sure does. She's creepy looking, too. Yeah, so She's the bat we've been speaking about. Exactly. Nah. You see Christians getting attacked in public parks or even babies being killed for, for research. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening at the University of Pittsburgh. But what's really interesting, when, you know, when evil happens, you have to get to the bottom of it, whether it's the Wuhan lab, January 6th, November 3rd, and when you look, start looking around the NIH, the people who are greenlighting this horrible, horrible, really infanticide to occur, I think all roads may just lead to none other than Anthony Fauci's wife, that is an individual named Christine Grady, who, believe it or not, is actually the chief of the Department of Bioethics at the NIH Clinical Center, mm. also the head of the Section on Human Subjects Research. And believe oh. it or not, oh. Obama actually appointed her from 2010 to 2017 to serve as a commissioner uh, on his Study of Bioethicals, Bioethical Issues Presidential Commission. And honestly, I, I think when you just look at what's going on, whether it's you know, these Christians getting attacked in the park or what's going on up at the University of Pittsburgh. Our founding fathers would be so appalled, and cultural Marxists and literal Marxists are so happy because this is exactly what they want to be happening in this country. Hold it. Only Natalie Winters can dig us up. Nobody else. Uh, Fauci's wife is, uh, actually is head of the Human Subjects Research Board. Fauci, in the NIH. What Fauci drunk. wants to do, his wife then approves? Uh, is that how it works? Exactly. And remember, this is just coming off of the fact that their whole grant database was taken taken down. We link that to the Wuhan lab, but maybe that also, you know, was potentially tied to this whole pit bombshell uh, uh, breaking. But yeah, she, she plays a very, very critical role in approving scientific studies, research grants, and, and research procedures. So there will be a forthcoming story, but a lot to dig into. I just want to... So, you know, and he would go on to allude that he was so shocked by that groundbreaking... Bioethicals. Yes. Bioethicals sounds like something that the new woke military would change, like... Bioweapons. Right. Like ethical weapons. Bioethicals. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was gain of function and human research. Might have, been, might have been the baby scalps on the beagles and stuff like that and all that crap that they were in. Just think of every, like, scary science fiction movie ever, and they're literally doing it in, like, black ops labs all over the world. 
with our and these aren't dollars. humans these are real people they yeah. wake up in the morning and go to work and this is what they do and they get away with it it's crazy i yeah, wonder it's like doing I, shit in international waters you know yeah i wonder if they like get up and it's just like as boring and repetitive as like all of our jobs are and stuff like if you're someone who does like you know i'm gonna take like a, a platypus flipper and i'm gonna sew it to some fetus's forehead and see how long it'll live for i wonder if they like get up in the morning and like oh Another platypus flipper, and then they like go and they like sip their coffee and take a bite of their toast and get in their car. And you see them like putting on their bio suit, and then the next thing they're like sewing a platypus flipper to a aborted fetus I, head. I don't doubt it. it's like anything, you know. You just keep striving for more in any field you're in. You want to just keep reaching the next thing. Yeah, it's like just well, just imagine all the fucked up research that got continued on when those project uh, or Operation Paperclip. Nazi scientists got brought over. Like, hey, so this is what I was working on back home. You want to try this uh, platypus flipper on the baby <laughs> foreskin? It's terrible. I mean, it, it it's it's sad, but it's it's true of what's going on right now. Um, we did have is a that whole... what Area Fifty One is. Oh gosh, it's the baby running around with the flipper <laughs> on its forehead. <laughs> Area Sixty Nine. Yeah, I think we just uncovered something there. Reservoir. No, we don't. Want... Well, we are. We, perfect segue over to Dr. Fauci because he... God, I hate him. Yeah, they, they drug him out of so much. wherever he's hiding right now this week to talk about some of the, uh, you know, hypocrisies that are going on on the Democratic side. Let's just point out a couple numbers before we get into these two clips. We're going to have him and the NIH director, uh, Francis Collins, back-to-back. Back. Between 180 and 210,000 people unmasked. Who cares about their vaccination status? You talking about Obama's birthday party? Close. Oh. Appeared over the last weekend in Chicago. Oh, okay. For Lollapalooza. Oh. And that's, it's a three-day event. That's different, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the drone footage from above the crowd, it looked like like one of those National Geographic documentaries where they're showing like a red ant colony. Was it one of those ones where you had to pay extra if you weren't vaccinated? <laughs> no, it, unfortunately it wasn't. It was just general admission? Um. So, yeah, that went on in, in, in Lori Lightfoot and, uh, and Gretchen Whitmer's Chicago and Illinois, right? Um. You also had... Noah just referenced Obama's birthday party, originally planned for 700 people. Um, they they sk- toned it down to 650, it looks like. Yeah, 657, I think, was the total. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden weren't invited. Weren't invited? Or weren't or? In- well, Nancy Pelosi went to some other party on, on Martha's Vineyard that weekend, and Joe, oh. Joe Biden apparently went to Delaware, and as of yesterday, had still not returned to the White House. They could have sent one of the clones, like the grouchy one. That and, would have been good. And gave no other... The grouchy one's just mean on the dance floor, I bet. Schedule for the rest of the week. Yeah. So that that's kind of, I guess, he's fighting with Obama. Even though, in support of his old bestie's birthday, Joe Biden rocked the tan suit last week and made a statement about it and then was not invited to the birthday. Extravagant. I don't yeah, know if you noticed my tan suit. This is Obama's suit. I stole it from his hotel room one time when he wasn't looking. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, so, yeah. W- I stole the suits. What could possibly be the reasoning behind having events like this in liberal strongholds among some of the Democrat and liberal side's elites? How could they possibly justify things of this How nature? do people not see that and go, hold on a second? Or, or w- wait a minute. Or you could just divert it to whatever, I guess you can call it. Do you think there's Democratic voters who go to Sturgis? There probably is. Oh, there's got to be. There, there was three-quarters of a million of them there over last weekend as well. Okay. There's and, people that surprised the shit out of me. Like, really? You're riding for Biden? Yeah. yeah. 
like literally on a motorcycle. So let's just hear what good old Anthony had to say about all of the events that went on last weekend, or if he did choose to leave any of them out. Only the South, but out uh, in the plains, in the Great Plains, we have Sturgis, South Dakota. Is going to be a, there's a gathering right now of some 700,000 people. Oh, no. Last year, it was a smaller turnout, and it was over about 150,000 people, and it and it led to a massive outbreak in the Dakotas, where they became number one and number two uh, for essentially the rest of the calendar year of cases. What do you expect this rally to do to that part of the country? Well, I'm very concerned, Chuck, that we're going to see another surge related another. to that rally. I mean, to me, it, it's 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 understandable that people want to do the kinds of things they want to do. They want their freedom to do that. But there comes a time when you're dealing with a public health crisis that could involve you, your family and everyone else, that something supersedes that need to do exactly what you want to do. I mean, you're going to ultimately be able to do that in the future, but let's get this pandemic Are under you? control before we start acting like nothing is going on. I mean, something bad is going on. I mean, we've got to realize that. So while all this other stuff was going on, Obama's birthday, Lollapalooza, you could probably find dozens of other Nantifa events or, you know, uh, women's rights marches going, not one mention. What was the number for Lollapalooza? The between 180 to 210,000 people. And there was how many at Sturgis? Uh, three quarters of a million. Oh, yeah. So last year there was only 125,000, but this year it was over 700k. Yeah. So you know, it's it, it's just one of those things though, like where they they fail to mention it, and I guess a lot of people on social media took the task with the fact that you know, okay, you're gonna go out and talk shit about Sturgis, but. You know, don't you think you should at least mention some of the other stuff that was going on? So that was on a Saturday show. And motorcycle people generally, you know, they're not like right on top of each other. Like the kind of the manly biker guys not going to be like sitting in each other's laps in the bar. But I'm pretty sure like music festivals, everybody's holding their lighters up, waving side to side, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Taking drugs and licking each other. Yeah, right? So they they didn't do any better to clean it up when they brought out Francis Collins from the NIH to talk about some things regarding the newest variant and what the expectations are. And before we get into how they kind of tried to save ObamaFest. ObamaFest? Let's hear what the <laughs> NIH director had to say. Obama People Fest. to get vaccinated. Is it time for more vaccine mandates? Ugh. Well, that's a obviously hot topic for me as a non-political person. Extre uh, extremely punchable face. As a scientist, the compelling case uh, for vaccines for everybody is um, right there in front of you. Just look at the data. Uh, and certainly I celebrate when I see businesses deciding that they're going to mandate that for their employees. And as a person who runs uh, the National Institutes of Health with 45,000 uh, employees and contractors, I am glad to see the president insisting that we go forward requiring uh, vaccinations or if people are unwilling to do that, then regular testing at least once or twice a week, which will be very inconvenient. Yeah, I think we ought to use every public health tool we can when people are dying, death rates are starting up again. And you just went through the numbers about how many new cases we are seeing. We are on a very steep upswift of that curve. And we ought to be thinking of every possible intervention. How about now? I wish I had a, uh, a honk 
sound effect for that because he just like sounds like a clown. They're just not using the science, and we're actually going to touch briefly on that in a little bit. But I do need to kind of get out there that they really wheeled out Jim Acosta Sunday morning after Fauci and Collins went on the cable news circuit Saturday for their roundtable discussion talk shows before all the golfs go on and stuff like that to kind of scare everyone and, and fear monger and hate on the left, on the right and the conservatives mm-hmm. for the things that they do by completely omitting the things that are going on elsewhere and, and all over the country. Um, they wanted to bring Jim Acosta out on Sunday and talk about how, well, Barack Obama's birthday was probably so sophisticated that it didn't matter if they wore masks or what their vaccination status was. You're looking at me across the table like I'm Say crazy. again? I'm not going to say it again. I'm going to actually play the clip right now. <laughs> what? Um, other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. Mm. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Mm. And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. So... Sophisticated vaccinated crowd. What the fuck does that even mean? Lord Petty, I I hear you absolutely not happy with that statement right there. There have been so many prominent political and and, uh, Hollywood figures who have gone out and said, I've seen the videos. I've seen the the leaked uh, pictures from the Obama party. And the guilt of them. Hey, you should delete those photos. Well, well, no, they're saying I know several people, two people. I know three people. I know this person who were there and they weren't vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. So not only was nobody masked. Well, no, they were the sophisticated ones. Right, but because they were so sophisticated, um, there was no chance that the coronavirus would spread amongst them. Who would have thought the Delta variant can't get spread through silk? Or through satire? Mm, (laughs) Delicious. Yeah, because everybody else is too dumb to wash their hands and not cough in each other's fucking mouth in public. Well, there's a lot of people that are too dumb to not do that. But well, let them die at this point. You know, like let it rip. It's called natural selection at this point. Honest. What are they trying to do? Keep us inside until the next election? Until butthole Biden finally croaks and they can get somebody who can talk? (laughs) I love butthole Biden. What are they trying to do? What's the end goal, dude? It's been what two years now? Like going on a year and a half or something? Oh, we're past a year and a half. Really? Yeah. God damn. Uh, So like. it's just insanity, dude. I don't know. It's like I got duped by the vaccination thing. I got a lot of shit for this online, but I went and got the vaccine because I thought, you know what? If this is going to I did some drugs in high school, I survived this vaccine. If it's going to allow me to go out and travel again, go to Europe, see my mom, whatever. Now they're telling me I walk into an ice cream shop with my girlfriend the other day and I got some 16 year old punk telling me to put a mask on and I went full care and I'm like, dude, are we still doing this? Why the fuck did I get some jab in my arm if I'm have some 16-year-old tell me to still put on a mask and I can't get ice cream? Like, what are we doing? You I know? told some guy one time, he, he said some shit, and I'm like, you know the shit's over, right? <laughs> and the look on his face was priceless. He was just like, what? Well, yeah, like, are we still doing this? Like, yeah, it's, it's over. It's insane. House Representative Jim Jordan weighed in yesterday, mm-hmm. and he put out a tweet. Um, and this goes into what you're both saying. Both Lord Petty talking about how he shouldn't still have to wear a mask and, you know, Noah stating to people that he meets on the street every day that, you know, this shit's over. Um, And the tweet reads, just so we're clear, COVID-19 spreads at churches, schools, Trump rallies, and motorcycle rallies. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 does not spread at peaceful protest, peaceful is quoted, the southern border, Mm. Democrat wedding receptions, right? Mm. San Francisco hair salons. Oh. Governor Newsom's restaurant, definitely, and President Obama's birthday party. Just so we're clear, 
Well, maybe, I mean, that makes absolute sense yep. to me. I don't know about you guys. I'm convinced. Pretty based, but uh, kind of. Jim yeah. Jordan, you know, he, he's kind of long-winded sometimes, but every once in a while he'll throw <laughs> in a good. He's kind of like Ted Cruz. You take him when he's funny, and then when he's not, he's just like, oh, okay, get out of here, Unabomber. So next time a 16-year-old tells you to put on a mask, just tell him you're part of the sophisticated, yeah, I'm so sophisticated, I, I couldn't gonna, possibly spread it. I'm going to light the building on fire and tell him I'm peacefully protesting, <laughs> so there's nothing to worry about. Well, in that case, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. You can't catch COVID, dude. I well, the fire, fire, the fire actually kills COVID, so they're doing exactly. us all a favor. Yeah, exactly. Well, something out that something else that came out yesterday that I'm sure Noah's not too happy about mm. was that the uh, Secretary of Defense announced oh, fuck. that by the end of September, the military will be mandating the COVID vaccine. How about new? Exactly. Um, it, it's definitely uh, not looking too good for you. That's a no for me, dog. So no? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm quoting now from his official press release. I will seek the president's approval to make the vaccines mandatory no later than mid to late September or immediately upon licensure by the Food and Drug Administration, whichever comes first. Um, I don't trust the actual approval by the Food and Drug Administration now because they're just trying to push it through. He will also has not hesitate to act sooner or recommend a different course of action to the president if he feels the need to do so. The need for speed for jabs. Um, the president issued a statement shortly thereafter that that says, I strongly support Secretary Austin's message to the force today on the Department of Defense's plan to add the COVID-19 vaccine to the list of required vaccination for our service members. No later than September. No later than mid-September. All right. That sentence is way too long for Joe Biden to have written that. Right. So, yeah. So. Secretary Austin uh, and I share an unshakable commitment to making sure our troops have every tool they need to do their jobs as safely as possible. These vaccines will save lives, period. They period. Should... No, these vaccines will save lives, period. The uh. word period, period. What? Yes, that's what it says. These vaccines will save lives, period. Then the actual word period, then a period. I think he might have went to do dot, dot, dot. That's just punctuation. That's yeah, and, and somebody wrote it up like that. I um, think they should mandate the peanut butter shot for the general public. They are safe. They are effective. They have been given to the United States, uh, have not been given to just the United States alone, being vaccinated will enable our service members to stay healthy, to better protect their families, and to ensure our force um, is farce. ready to operate. No, that's basically what it is now. Anywhere in the world, we cannot let up in the fight against COVID-19, especially with the Delta variant spreading rapidly through unvaccinated populations. Also not true. Did they get uh, Delta variant tests? Is that like a thing? I'm mm. still just making it up? Making it's it the up. the flu? Yep. Yeah. Common cold symptoms. Weird. He, he would go on with another long-winded couple sentences that he didn't write anyway. So what's the point of reading it? You guys got the gist of it. But blah, that, blah. Yeah. So who can save us from all this? Who can really push back against the administration? We have to look back at our elected officials. There aren't a lot of good of good ones out there right now. We, we do have a couple of, you know, people who do operate in the base department. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greens, Boebert, Gates. Biggest pussy slayer in DC. <laughs> you know, Who's pussy slayer? Matt, Matt Gates. So yeah. definitely is. Um, Do you miss me? They miss me. Every single week. Yep. But I think there's only, if you look at the two <laughs> biggest things, or the only things that we've talked about on this show, at least this week, you have the audits, the elections, and all that stuff. And then you have COVID. There's only been one elected official out of all of them who has absolutely said, the 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen and that this whole COVID thing is a hoax. And it's not Donald Trump. Who is it? I've made a couple memes of him. 
I'm going to ask you one more time, Anthony. You've made a lot of memes. Where did the fucking virus come oh, from? Oh, Rand Paul. Mr. Rand Paul. Rand Paul yesterday put out a public service announcement Ooh, yeah. to everyone in the United States, basically saying that he's fed up with it and some things that we should do. So let's listen to that at least to see where there's, you should just take comfort in knowing that there's at least one elected official working on your behalf in the federal government right now. They can't arrest all of us. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. (laughs) We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am. I'm not a career politician. I practiced medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology and I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr. Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science, and I've been proven right time and time again. But I'm not the only one who's fed up. I can't go anywhere these days without people coming up and thanking me for standing up for them, whether I'm at work or at events in Kentucky, at airports, in restaurants, or in stores. People thank me for taking a stand. They thank me for standing up for actual science, for standing up for freedom, for standing against mandates, lockdowns, and bureaucratic power grabs. I think the tide is turning as more and more people are willing to stand up. I see stories from across the country of parents standing up to the unions and school boards. I see brave moms standing up and saying, my kids need to go back to school in person. I see members of Congress refusing to comply with petty tyrant Pelosi. We are at a moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy, and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not, not this time, 
I choose freedom. Isn't it pretty sad to know that out of all the people that work in the federal government, especially in the House of Representatives and Congress, there's one person who has been unwavering in this since pretty much the beginning, and it's him. Just one. You know, what is there? Four or 500 people in the House of Representatives and then 100 people plus the vice president in, in Congress? And you, one person that, that is out there literally saying this on a consistent basis, that the science is wrong, that they're lying, that they're covering stuff up, and that we shouldn't do what they say. Isn't that what we've been saying this whole time? Well, well yeah, but... I mean, my next-door neighbor didn't beat me within an inch of my life and then try to run me over with a ride-on John Deere lawnmower like Rand Paul's did a couple years ago. You know they've thought about it, though. Of course. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where uh, it, it's pretty sad that he, he's the alone voice when it comes to election integrity and, uh, you know, the, the COVID hoax. Uh, of, or what COVID has evolved into hoax-wise. Yeah, um, we're definitely not saying that there isn't a disease, but it's definitely not as dangerous as they've been saying. Oh, and it, and it definitely doesn't affect an overwhelming majority or 99.97% of it in regards to the population the way they say it does. Yeah. So you if, it, if they had a smaller country or they had a reason like they do in Europe and in Australia and in Canada, they would be going around with SWAT teams beating up people on the street for going to things like Sturgis and Lollapalooza and even Barack Obama's birthday. No, they wouldn't beat people up. Well, probably not that. But then they would drive past Barack Obama's house and spray it with horse shit like they did of Macron's in France last week. But then if you showed up to Obama's house to beat people up because they're disobeying, then you'd be a domestic terrorist. Right. Uh, We already are. Terrorist. Terrorist. I wonder who the person's going to be, you know, because there's going to be some sort of Rosa Parks sort of type incident where it's just going to be some civilian, some normal person. Somebody's going to say, hey, get the fuck out. And they're going to be like, no. And it's just going to blow up. It's going to be somebody who's just going to be worldwide famous for just standing up. And those are just the times we're living in right now, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that would have to be a very high visibility place for that to. I mean, we saw that groundbreaking case in Canada last week where they had to drop all of the restrictions. Because a court ruled that because the scientists that they requested to show how the, the virus was, were they isolated? Yeah. And, and identified in that way to show, you know, here's the scientific breakdown of just of how dangerous and spreadable and all this other stuff it is. Um, and the scientist is like, well, we've not been able to isolate it. So nobody has? On a worldwide scale yet. Or no, the just, NIH, the CDC, the WHO. They're used to formulating maple syrup, maybe. Or. Well, or whatever, or just lying about it. Like, you know, th- there is one more clip I want to play. I think it's probably the most important one. You, you do have a doctor that went out bet- before a, a board meeting this week, and he kind of talked about the contradictory nature of the, the uh, NIH and the CDC. And I, I think, you know, here is a real expert who actually has worked in the field in just a brief clip kind of explaining just – how much of the science they don't follow when they say on television, I'm a scientist and this is what you should do. Um, to, to address your comment, gee, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem. And I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful and we're getting our sources of information from the Anastate Board of Health and the CDC who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. Okay, there you go. And everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. Hmm. 
So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies <laughs> sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses. So that was what, whoa, what did he say at the end? No, that well, he was saying that we're having the same issues because the things that we're doing to stop the spread of the virus don't work. Um, and he's actually one of the people who did the research for the CDC and the NIH. He brought his research that is available through the CDC and the NIH and is saying that the mandates and the advisories and the rules that they're making right now for either the virus or the vaccine go directly against the research that he did that they approved and now share on their websites. And he's like, well, all this information is provided on their websites. I've brought it for you on a hard drive. I was one of the researcher developers that worked for them on behalf of this project. And now they're going out and saying the direct opposite of the research, which they approved that we did is. So you just can't make this shit up. But because this guy's talking at like a county board meeting and he doesn't get to go on Jim Acosta and all the other douchebag shows over the weekend and say, you know, you should be really scared because we're in a pandemic and you know something bad is going to happen. And then everybody gets scared. Here, here's what I struggle with, because I don't know, are the people running things, are they just stupid, or do they have an ulterior motive? Yes. Yeah. For both. Yes. I mean... You know, what is it? Like, are they... Yeah, that's... So... What is it? I mean, <laughs> when you continue to go down your rabbit holes... Well, uh, the ulterior motive is is now, it's, it's just control. It's just seeing what the general public's going to put up with, how much they're going to take, and how... Basically, how far they're going to bend over before they break. And Agenda 2030 is definitely one of the things you should look into next and how all of this stuff to deal with COVID and whatnot has kind of intertwined its way into it over the last, you know, 18 months moving forward. Because, uh, you know, the, the world wants one population under one government, under one police force, using a, some random currency. I thought we were defunding the police. That too. So well, Hey, that's ultimate inclusivity right there. So it makes sense, I guess, from their perspective. So you'll, you'll own nothing and enjoy it, or is that what it is? <laughs> One cheeseburger a month? <laughs> cheeseburger? So one of the things that has been kind of coming up a lot in our social media feeds uh, was the interview Larry Elder gave over the weekend um, with the Sacramento Bee, I believe. And it was like an online Zoom call where I think 50 other overwhelming majority liberal newspapers kind of weighed in and got to ask him questions uh, unfiltered uh, via Zoom call. So during that, um, you know, there was a part of that interview where they wanted to talk about election integrity and the 2020 presidential election. Um, a lot of the clips you'll see circulating online right now is a 10-second clip where they asked if Larry Elder thought that Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election to where he answers... I think Joe Biden won the election fair and square. And that's where the clip ends. It's, it's literally 10 seconds. Was there a however after that? Well, there's, there's six minutes and 56 seconds total to this clip. We'll break it down into two different parts okay. and kind of get some commentary in between. Uh, but a little bit more of a backstory. Um, you know, we, we reach out to people. And uh, like we said, we had Joe Kent on today. You guys already know how he felt 
about that whole situation and what Larry had to win or lose by the comments that he made, uh, that they would literally sacrifice him if he kind of talked about any of the election integrity stuff going on. Um, At the same time, you need to look at what exactly is his demographic here in California? Because if you think that just the ultra-conservative America First Trumper MAGA base is enough to get Gavin Newsom recalled and then replaced with somebody who's adequate um, for what the state really needs right is, you need to get your head examined. Um, There are so many liberals and Democrats whose lives have been affected by all of the lockdowns that Gavin Newsom issued in the state of California and never observed himself. Um, Let's keep in mind that we know for a fact he's been to Hawaii, Cancun, and Montana on vacations all during the lockdowns and when other people weren't allowed to go. Um, He also sent his kids to school unvaccinated and unmasked while everybody else's kids got more retarded sitting in front of a computer screen for eight hours a day at home and their schools were locked down. He then partnered with all of the teachers unions who kept your kids out of school and made sure that they had to wear masks when they go back for absolutely no reason when it comes to the science of it. Science. So in talking with people like Anthony Sabatini and Joe Kent and asking them for their honest opinions on not only Larry Elder, but that interview, they both kind of said for what the audience was and what they would do to it, audio clips. Um, what exactly did he have to gain by jumping onto the rigged and stolen crime of the century crowd right there? Um, that time may come shortly thereafter he's nominated and wins the recall election in mid-September. And right now he's raised a considerable amount of money more than anybody north of $5 million since he's announced, I think, two and a half weeks ago. There are also other, a couple other good candidates out there in California. Uh, you got, you know, Kevin, you have that other guy, um, who are both probably better suited MAGA America First agenda people. But at the same time, they don't have the power to get themselves over the finish line in the actual recall election. So just for one 10-second blip... Um, that he was cut up and thrown on the internet this weekend by the conservative crowd. Just imagine if he would have went and said anything otherwise, what the other side who has a lot more power and money and influence, especially over social media would have done if he would have said what we all want him to say, it wouldn't have looked good. So let's, let's get into this clip right now and listen to it. Um, I'll stop it about halfway through so we can kind of give a little commentary on it and then we'll play the rest because I think it's important that, you all hear the entirety of that segment and not just the 10 seconds that's been circulating online. Hey, Mr. Elder, uh, mostly on the state, but but, uh, since uh, the governor of California uh, will also be a leader in the nation, uh, we want to address that. So uh, the the question I would ask next is, among conservatives, there is a growing quorum who distrust elections and election officials, including in California. Do you believe Joe Biden won the 2020 election freely and fairly? And do you trust in the integrity and validity of California's elections process? Uh, I do believe that Joe Biden won the election fairly and squarely. But can I say something about. So that's it. We're going to play more immediately. But that's the clip that circulated online and has been for the last 48 hours. Okay. Do you think Joe Biden won the election? Blah, blah, blah. No, I don't. Well, he said, yes, I think he won fair and square. It's easy, it's easy to frame something like that and just throw it out there in every context because what you'll hear is 
three seconds of Larry Elder talking, and then you'll read a 15,000-word essay underneath it on why he should be canceled. I don't think a lot of people understand that there was more than six minutes left of this segment of the interview that he did. So let's kind of listen into what else he had to say. I know Don- Donald Trump has been accused of, uh, of fomenting the big lie. If I had a nickel every time I watched CNN, and I watch a lot of CNN, I watch uh, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon uh, and Wolf Blitzer. If I had a dime every time they said uh, uh, Donald Trump has pushed the big lie, I could self-fund my campaign. Mm. I want to point out that for four years and counting, Hillary Clinton referred to the 2016 election as having been stolen, her word, not mine. She referred to Donald Trump for four years and counting as illegitimate, her word, not mine. Uh, When the Senate investigated the 2016 election, they made two major findings. One of them was this, that despite their efforts, the Russians failed to change a single vote tally. Yet, according to a YouGov poll, a respected poll, 66% of Democrats believe that the Russians changed vote tallies. One more time, the Senate report found zero evidence that the Russians changed a single vote tally. Now, the politics editor of CNN is a man named Chris Salizzo. He wrote a piece where he excoriated Republicans for, quote, falsely believing the, quote, falsely believing that there was, quote, widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. 76% of Republicans, he said, believes this lie. 78% of Democrats believe that the Russians, quote, changed the outcome of the election, close quote, in 2016, even though the Senate report could not find any evidence one way or the other. Mostly what the Russians did, as you know, is buy a bunch of Facebook ads, some pro-Black, some anti-Black, some pro-Trump, some anti-Trump, some pro-Hillary, some anti-Hillary, in order to just stir up uh, discontent. Uh, But the the Intel report found no evidence whatsoever that the Russians changed the vote, uh, changed the outcome of of the election or not. Yet 78% of of Democrats, according to Gallup, believe that the uh, outcome of the election was changed by the Russian interference in 2016. Yet Hillary's social media was never shut down, even though she was promoting the big lie. Mm. Social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook never shut her down, even though she was promoting the big lie. Now, when I say that, people push back and say, well, Hillary conceded the election. Donald Trump did not. Google Donald Trump and concede, and you'll find numerous articles where Donald Trump conceded the election. I agree he didn't concede it right away, but ultimately he did. And neither Hillary nor Donald Trump use the C word, concede. The second pushback is, well, Hillary did not sue to overturn the election. Au contraire, mon frere, she joined Jill Stein and Jill Stein's lawsuit to overturn the election in Wisconsin and filed a separate motion to have the recount done by hand. Third, Hillary's supporters did not storm the Capitol uh, on January 6th. That is true, because Hillary was not president on January 6th. But on election night in November 2016, there was widespread violence on the part of Hillary supporters all over America, including clashes with the police, including police cars being burned. And on the third week of January in 2017, when Donald Trump was inaugurated, 200 people were arrested in Washington, D.C., because of violent protests. That's almost half of the 400 people that were arrested on January 6th. So I believe there's a double standard here. Donald Trump has been pounded and pounded and pounded for promoting the so-called big lie. Hillary has promoted the big lie for four years and counting and has never ever been, in my opinion, uh, uh, upgraded over that. 
Uh, and finally, Donald Trump, to my knowledge, never referred to Barack Obama as having stolen the 2028 election or the 2012 election and never referred to him as illegitimate during the eight years of his pre presidency. But Hillary, as I repeat, referred to Donald Trump as having stolen the election in 2016 and, and being illegitimate. I think. So let's just pause it right there because it's kind of a lot of lead in. You know, he, he says he talks about rigged and stolen without saying rigged and stolen. And basically he's saying there's a double standard and he points out Gallup polls. He points out CNN articles and news pieces that have come out over the years that basically have supported um, Hillary Clinton's claims that the Russians hacked the 2016 election and stole it from her and gave it to Donald Trump. Um, in addition to that, he also claims that she has never conceded in the same way that Donald Trump hasn't, and that's by saying, I concede the presidential election. However, yeah. because other presidents were in lieu, inaugurated, they've obviously conceded. Um, well, and Trump, the only thing he would say is that, you know, that we lost, quote unquote. Right. And, and he would make fun of it. Yeah. So, because he, he knows at some point this may be a contested election again. Um, but I, I just think for the fact of the matter is, you take that 10-second clip that's been all over social media lately, where he's, Joe Biden won fair and square, end. Huge paragraph underneath it. Fuck this guy. We always knew he was deep state. Dude, how deep state is Larry Elder? He's run a middle-of-the-road, like, moderate conservative podcast and talk show for a number of years. Um, in addition, he's been a, a Trump supporter. And, and, you know, when you ask the people who are at the utmost right of the conservative America first agenda, I can't think of two other people who are more right than Joe Kent and Anthony Sabatini. Yeah. Both say that they're pretty much endorsing this guy because he's the best deal for California. Uh, those are things you definitely have to take into consideration. Now, was it good? Well, he's the only person who has a chance to win, most likely. Yeah. As much as I like some of the other candidates. And some of the other candidates are probably more qualified in our department. Like, the things that we... Do we want to see somebody come in and eradicate everything to do with COVID? Lock down the borders and empower the police? You know, America first agenda in school? Yes. But for California to get anywhere near there, it's going to take a couple building blocks in the middle. Um, and I don't like to say that or admit it, but... Take it for someone who's lived here for 22 years of their adult life. It was decent when I moved here. Now it's an absolute fucking disaster. Well, maybe you lowered the property value. No, I didn't. I surely didn't. <laughs> but I can tell you what, the property value's gone up for, no, this, really for the same piece of shit, cookie cutter, track homes that you know are $200,000 in just the next state over in Arizona. They're three quarters of a million dollars here. And but, usually built shittier. Yeah. So... You know, that's, that's, that's kind of where that thing, I mean, Lord Petty, you know, you're kind of able to jump in this right now. I mean, just hearing him say that, but then kind of start to get into the, the whole double side of it, the, the double standard that we've, it's pretty much been the theme of our entire show this week. This might as well be the double standard show. You know, you it, talk, it's, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I just kind of think it's the theme of the world where it's just constantly expected from, quote, I don't even like the word conservative. And I think that's why I've always kind of stayed away from, I just don't like the works. It makes it sound like literally just being conservative in personality. You know, you're always yeah. expected to be the bigger person. Well, now they always, just call you terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or other worse words. Right. But it's kind of dealing with these hyper liberal people at this point. I feel like it's literally just dealing with children. It's just kind of, okay, you need to let them vent. And then it's just always about being the bigger person. But then that just kind of shows the repercussions of, okay, 
I think that's why Trump got so popular because he's like, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play their own game, and they hated it because he was better at it because he was smarter than most of them. <laughs> yeah, I and mean- so. If you say, you know, if you say they totally baited him into that question, yes. so he sounds like a pretty good guy where he's like, okay, I understand what you're saying, so I'm going to answer the question logically instead of ducking it. But he got himself in trouble to where they can chop it up because the media is just evil. So it's just, it, it's hypocrisy. Yeah, if you're on the wrong team, no matter what you say, they're going to find some way to torpedo you, regardless of whether or not it's true or even like remotely sounded true. They'll make it what they want it to be no and if they don't have anything they'll call you racist oh that's yeah that's the <laughs> i'm so glad larry the ace and the a black hole. dude because it, it'd be well so they, they'll have some things to say to him i'm sure that'll be black nationalist yeah <laughs> all right just for the context of, of getting the whole thing out and just so you're informed as a listener we need to play the rest of this interview because he does continue to go on with it and i just want to make sure that you don't base your whole bias on him or whether or not you're going to continue to support him just based off soul of a 10 second clip that's been social um, media pumped over the last couple days. Let's hear the rest of it and how he kind of, you know, sticks along that narrative of the double standard. Double standard here. And I wish the media would acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> they didn't I'm going to go to Yusuf Bay next, but he, Donald Trump, well into Obama's presidency promoted the lie that he was not born in the United States. May I, may I respond to that, please? Sure, of course. You're, you're with McClatchy newspapers. Um, that lie was promoted by Hillary's campaign, particularly Sidney Blumenthal, and one of your reporters named James Asher, uh, who was, I think, the, the DC bureau chief, uh, was approached by Sidney Blumenthal uh, during the campaign, and Sidney Blumenthal told uh, him that Barack Obama was from Africa to the point where Asher put a reporter to track down the rumor, found no basis for the rumor whatsoever. And I'm not saying Donald Trump did not promote this birther uh, business, and I never supported it. I always I condemned it when I was on the air. But the but the original person that pushed the birther lie was Sidney Blumenthal, who was working for Hillary Clinton during the 2008 campaign, and your own newspaper acknowledged it. Let's go to Yusef Bay. Hi, Larry. You said big. I'm the assistant penny editor with the B. I, I want to ask you about COVID, but I, I have to address this false equivalency, too, that you're you're raising with Hillary Clinton and what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. There are multiple police officers who died that day trying to defend the Capitol. There have been multiple who have committed suicide in the aftermath of that event. And to say that any vandalism that occurred in cities when people were protesting after Trump's election is not the same thing. I, I didn't say there was the same thing. I said they both pushed the lie. And I wish that Hillary would be would be called on her lie. I didn't call it a double standard. I didn't say they were the same thing. What happened on January 6th was outrageous. Uh, everybody there should be accountable. Uh, it was a riot. Uh, and, and, and in no way, shape, or form do I support it. I also know that there was widespread violence all over the country in major cities all over America the several days after Donald Trump won the election in November. And there was widespread violence in Washington, D.C. during the inauguration the third week of January in 2017. And we ought to be talking about that as well. So he kind of does a little save there, too, talking about the insurrection that happened on January 6th or not. He did say that it was a terrible thing and the people who were involved or and were there should be held accountable. But again, he didn't say that they were the Trump supporters. He didn't say that they were the Black Lives Matter and Antifa people that were all over that event. And they didn't say that they were the FBI implants. Right. That were all over that place. You know, there's that's starting to come out as well. So I, I think it was when when you just kind of look at the totality of it, 
And again, make your own decision. Go do your research. See if there's other shit that he, he said that doesn't necessarily sit well with you. And then when it comes down to it, if you live in California, like, you know, there's a large listener base that does here, you're going to have to make your own decision at the end of the day. But you but you better look at the numbers, um, where the state's at, and who has the best opportunity to kind of get us over the hump and get Gavin Newsom out of there, which I think at the end of the day is the only real objective here because this guy has ran the state into the fucking ground. And when you look at all the stuff that's gone over over the last 24 hours, we talked about the dream ticket last week, Cuomo and Newsom, probably one of the next big president, vice presidential tickets coming up in the near future. Andrew Cuomo resigned today. That dissolved pretty quickly. Nancy Pelosi announced that sometime either at or before the 2020 midterm election, she will be retiring from her house seat. And now you have Gavin Newsom up for recall in just about a month from now on September 14th here in California. You're talking about some of the party's hugest hitters, um, either canceled, stepping down, or, or, or voted out of office in, in the span of just a month. You think Pelosi's got some weird medical condition that she's going to break out to explain that with or something? No, I, I honestly feel like nothing can stop what is coming, and, and I feel like the dam that is holding back all of this election stuff is finally getting ready to break. Yeah. You know, just in the last hour. Not her sweet tooth from the um, ice cream. And circling back before we hit up on infrastructure real quick, uh, Janelle Brandigan, who's leading the Republican charge in the state of Wisconsin for the audits, issued a statement. Um, State Representative Janelle uh, Brandigan um, released the following statement regarding Governor Ever, and that's the governor of Wisconsin's, quoting now, hell no response when asked, if Brown and Milwaukee County clerks should comply with the subpoenas for the information in regards to the forensic audit in the state of Wisconsin. So the people, the County board of supervisors went and reached out to the governor after they were issued subpoenas and the governor told them, hell no, hell no. She goes on to say one would think that if governor Evers is so confident that there was no issues or fraud, he would be more willing to do it and show it. What are they hiding? And she kind of left it as that. That is an official statement from the desk of her in the last hour. So you have stuff breaking all over the place today. But just in regards to this this Larry Elder interview from over the weekend, go ahead and listen to the whole thing. Uh, if you don't want it broken up with commentary, it's also available on YouTube. And, and you got to remember just who his audience was. Uh, 50 of the most liberal papers in the United States. You had the New York Times, you had the Sacramento Bee, you had you know Washington uh, Post and all those other ones, you know, the heavy hitters. Well, they're waiting for something that he said to crucify him with. I think the best part about it was is when as soon as he started to lean in towards supporting Trump and they're like, well, okay, so you're going to go out and say, okay, Joe Biden won fair and square, but you still support Trump, even though Donald Trump said that Barack Obama was a Kenyan for the first four years of his presidency. And he's like, well, you know, it's actually a good point you made that up. And he's like, you work for this newspaper, your editor-in-chief, along with the Hillary Clinton campaign, it's been proven that you guys came up with this idea because the Clintons created Obama to kind of add a little, pun intended, color to their campaign. And then he outgrew them so much, he wound up literally destroying them. It's like a Dragon Ball Z character where they bring this monster to destroy the world and he winds up destroying the bad guys that, that, you know, brought him to destroy the world. And, And literally and figuratively, because Obama did a great job of wrecking the country. Um, but it was the Clinton campaign that came up with this whole issue to try and demonize him after he picked up a lot of steam running into 2008 and Larry Elder knew that and called them on it. So he actually talked about their old editor in chief that worked there and now went on to work at CNN. So I don't know, Lord Petty, what do you think? Larry Elder doesn't seem like a terrible guy. Definitely probably needs a little bit more 
brushing up on some of his campaign issues and how to say them. But like I said, a veteran like him, he's been a, a radio show host and a television host for a decade. And, uh, you know, he probably knows his audience and how to handle them. It sounds like he didn't do a terrible job. I just would not like to see him fumble over himself in the beginning a little bit. Was his show on your radar prior to this? I, I'd never heard of him, no. Yeah. No. Ron, how about you? I, I've listened to yeah. bits and pieces of him. Yeah, when he has on good guests. But but he does bring on a lot of people from both sides. He's kind of like, you know, an older black Jenna Ellis. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like his his podcast and his radio talk show. That's kind of So it's he, well-rounded. Yeah, he, he's definitely not on the old Rush Limbaugh side of the, the house. And, uh, you know, is definitely something that I, I really encourage everybody to continue um, to look into. Uh, I just saw, I'm going to try and find it real quick. It was a... Something for COVID, it refreshed, so I'm probably not going to get it. It looked like uh, one of the Joint Chiefs came out in the last hour and said that there will be no mandatory COVID vaccination, vaccinations. Vaccinations? Regardless, whatever you're going to wind up getting. So, I'm not getting shit. Yeah, it was, it was one of the Joint Chiefs. I saw it in the first second, right before I could read his name, it refreshed. Thanks, Instagram. But uh, Don't you hate that? That's like the worst. That's the most annoying thing. Like, it is the worst feature, honestly. You open it up, and it's, it has something you want to see, and then it just refreshes itself, and it disappears. And then sometimes you'll get lucky, and you'll scroll down, and it'll be like 10 down, but then you'll scroll for like five minutes, and you're like... You know what the annoying part yeah. is, too? Sometimes you'll open up your Instagram app, and for days at a time, it'll be the same post, and that little bubble in like the top middle will say, new posts. And as soon as you click on it, it'll refresh the feed. And sometimes you just open it up, and it's like, best meme ever. It's glowing. The angels are singing. The light shines on you. You can see the dust particles. It refreshes. You it's know, gone. that's that's some sort of algorithm. Oh, it sure is. it's stuck on has been hella boring. It sure is. You know who's an algorithm breaker? Um, I never thought I'd be saying this and having to do with infrastructure, but circling back to Alex Jones. <laughs> Tucker Carlson did a segment um, about two weeks ago. We played it. And it talked about how... Um, you know, the media was kind of saying that Tucker Carlson was the new Alex Jones and that, that not only that, but they were one and the same. And not only that, that, but they were playing off each other, which yeah. which they both thought were ridiculous and, and went on to make fun of. Um, Alex Jones went into a segment talking about this infrastructure bill, voted on yesterday. Looks like, you know, we talked about it with Joe Kent in the beginning of the show, $1.2 plus trillion, which leads us down the path of the $3.5 trillion Green New Deal. A lot of new regulations, a lot of new stuff that has nothing to do with infrastructure. I think Joe Kent told us that less than 20% of the actual $1.2 trillion bill actually goes to infrastructure. 0% spent on the border at all. Zero. Zero. Literally nothing written into it. Isn't there a, a crisis? However... There is mandates to have all electric cars on the roads by 2035. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. Um, all new cars will be formatted with those breathalyzer things. What? Yeah. And wait, they're they're going to be m- monitoring how many miles you drive to tax you on that. Oh, that was in the infrastructure bill. Yeah. And there were some genders protected, and by some I mean all of them. Wait. So. Yes. <laughs> so let's just say, for instance. I'm in the possession of a 1950s era land yacht. You're gonna get really taxed heavily. Is it gonna be like, like way more per mile, you're, or am I just not gonna be allowed to drive it? Your taxes are gonna be taxed 
I mean, because I already have to just pour gas out the window when I drive it because it's obscene. Yeah. Hey, where'd Lord Petty go? That's a good question. So let's listen to that clip now. Teaming back up again, but this time AJ throwing it to Tucky for a little bit of chat on infrastructure. So as we speak, they're debating it and trying to pass it right now with almost no coverage. This is bigger than the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 passed by three senators without a quorum on Christmas Eve. And again, sometimes I'm behind the curve here. I mean, I knew they were pushing all this stuff, but I didn't know they put it in a main infrastructure bill. All cars will have to have a face scanner and breathalyzer to scan and see if you're angry or mean or sick mm-hmm. or drinking to report you to the police or others. Or That's AI watchers controlling you making basically what the phones already do mandatory, or these home assistants. That's one small piece. Making it federal law that men can be in women's sports and in women's bathrooms, including your little girls' showers when they're you know, eight years old at YMCA. But it gets even worse. It makes it a hate crime and illegal to question the CDC and what they say is an official scientific pronouncement when science is all about asking questions and we have our First Amendment right to do it. Really? And you've seen the Justice Department say they want to start going after people that question lockdowns. That's in the new terrorism directive from two months ago by Biden. Well, now they're trying to put that into law. And I didn't just believe Tucker Carlson, even though he's a friend of mine, he tells the truth and really smart. Something this big, I went and I read the bill in the sections. The the, the bill is 2,700 pages long. But I went to the subsections, and it's all true, and it's worse than that. So... There's even more than what I just told you. We're going to go to the clip of Tucker Carlson, the full piece of him and his monologues on Infowars.com in the article. Joe Biden's infrastructure bill is winding its way through the Senate. A lot going on. You may have missed this, but you should know it is moving without meaningful Republican opposition. That means unless something changes very soon, it will become law. Here's what you should know about that bill. It's 2,700 pages long. It will cost more than a trillion dollars. It will not pay for itself, despite what they told you. And much of it has nothing whatsoever to do with infrastructure, meaning fixing our crumbling roads and bridges and airports and train stations and all the rest that embarrasses Americans. Instead, this bill will make science denial official. It will enshrine gender identity in federal law. It would allow the government to track your driving. Why? So they can charge you a fee for every mile you go. This in addition to the gas tax. And scariest of all, this bill requires all new vehicles in the United States to come with monitoring technology, such as eye scanners or breathalyzers. And that means that going forward, you will need the express permission of your federal overlords before you start your car in the morning, because it's their car now. As of tonight, 20 Republican senators appear to support this lunacy. The final vote is this weekend, so if you have views about this, you might want to let them know right away. They assume you're not paying attention, so they can do whatever they want to you, and in this case, they are. Here are the 17 Republicans who have already voted to move this bill forward, listed in alphabetical order. Roy Blunt, Richard Burr, Shelley Moore Capito, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Kevin Kramer, Mike Crapo, Lindsey Graham, of course, Chuck Grassley, John Hoven, Mitch McConnell, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, Jim Risch, Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis, and Todd Young. Now, a few of these people plan to retire soon, thank heaven. 
but most of them intend to get reelected at some point. And it might be good if voters made that impossible. So I kind of agree with them on that. Pretty interesting that they talk about the 17 Republicans that supported it. Mm. However, straight from the comms and from back in the day, Mr. Trust Grassley himself, Chuck Grassley, wound up jumping on and becoming the 18th Republican to vote on this. Good for him. Yeah. So you want to talk about things like Larry Elder and, and saying, you know, Joe Biden won the election fair and square and taking it out of context and then having people share Chuck Grassley reporting live from the corn stalks for the last five years because he appeared in a couple Q drops. I think it's definitely time to maybe reanalyze just some of the people that we can kind of trust because there is nothing in this bill that supports number one, the great awakening and number two, the plan at all. So you can't even try to frame it. So you want to walk back Larry Elder saying Joe Biden won fair and square. Try walking that one back, Chuck. Got him. Very, very, very disappointing. And uh, to see where this can go, hopefully we uh, have some things that come up over the next not too long to try and save us from all this um, election integrity-wise so that we can wind up, uh, you know, avoiding things like this bill coming into power for so long. Um, I don't see how anybody can get behind that nonsense. Like rational pe- people saying that, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, just you thought it was funny when some of the stuff I was saying on there that was in the bill, but I really went and looked at like what what some of the worst parts of it were. You don't like the police, but you like the police state, right? Uh, defund the police, but reinstall them into the ignition of your car. Yeah. Nice job, assholes. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things where that 2030 agenda seems to be coming like a steamroller right now. Yeah. Right. With very little resistance in its way, especially since we have so many of those awesome people, uh, you know, on the Republican side, jumping on this bill and supporting it. So I don't, I don't know how any of them even, I saw Laura Ingram last week. I really don't watch her, but I wound up catching a piece of her segment in passing. Uh, it was on in my living room and she had Bill Cassidy on. And she slow walked him right into it. And, you know, they were back and forth joking with each other. And then she just railroaded him on this thing and to the point to where they were screaming at each other. Nice. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Uh, you kind of have to take it for what it is. Call these people out. And if they're not retiring, get them the fuck out of office next time they're up for election. So. Well, it's like all these dummies that are backing this stuff. It's like they're all. They're all being funded by, how to say this, China. (laughs) To say the least. But, I mean, not to make a joke, but the weaker our country gets by proposing this preposterous, idiotic stuff that, if nothing else, just sets different uh, sets of people against each other. That's all it does. It It weakens our country just by everybody just being at each other's throats. And I think that's really just the target for a lot of this stuff because it's just so outrageous there's no fucking way that it could possibly work or be valid or rational at any any level. I I 100% agree. Um, You know, and it's just one of those things moving forward. We got so much stuff that's probably going to happen between now and Friday 
Um, I best can't wait to get back on and, uh, you know, see what happened with Pillows Fest. And then who else is going to die, get canceled, recalled, or retire in the next two and a half days? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of uh, people trying to move to, you know, their summer home in Switzerland. Mm. Or claiming Kenyan citizenship. Ooh. I didn't bring it up. They did. Oh. Well, we sure did run into some challenges this week. Um, but as in weeks past, we overcame. We lost Lord Petty for the last couple minutes of our show today due to a power outage up in Seattle where he lives. With, what, 23 people? 23 people. He was one of them. And they were all Republicans. Billions and billions of power outages. Um, you know what? We lost Antoinette at the beginning of the show today, too, because she had some family stuff going on. So, But she'll be joining me alone here in studio on Friday, her via Zoom, because you're not going to be here. So I guess every hurdle that comes in our way, we just kind of hurdle it. I guess I'll be off not getting a mandatory vaccination. Yeah, that's true. Um, and before we get to our stuff, I just want everybody to remember, we're extremely thankful to have Lord Petty on today. Uh, step out of his comfort zone and bring us out of ours a little bit. And it's where the comedic side of the Great Awakening and the truther side of the Great Awakening kind of met and turned out to be a pretty decent podcast. Um, I like the rabbit holes that he's going down. I like the things that he's kind of sticking up for and waking up to. And it, it was a good good experience having him on the show. I, 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 I hope that we have him back again sometime. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, uh, Lord Petty, double underscore, or at Butthole underscore Biden. <laughs> you can also download the Lord Petty podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Just type in Lord Petty. It's like a picture of a face with a rocket coming out of the mouth. Can't miss it. And that kind of is extremely subliminal for some of the stuff he's got going on with his show. Um, the Steak for Breakfast podcast can also be found on all major podcasting platforms. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and Google Podcast. Subscribe to the shows, rate and review. Always fear the fact that someday Nick might come to your house if you leave a bad one. Download, listen, like, follow, and share our content. Um, our website is steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. Anyone that's having streaming issues on any of the podcasting platforms, just go to our website. You can download the shows and listen to them there. Our Instagram is Steak for Podcast Breakfast. Our Twitter is DO23TRES. DOS. DOS. We also have a telegram now. Ooh. T.me slash Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Pretty simple. Just go on Telegram. Steak for Breakfast Podcast. You'll find us there. Uh, show credits for the week. The Reverse Mockingbird, Canadians 10, Sheep No More. Garbaggio of the Garbaggio account families. Miss Wonder Woman, The Daily Bread. Christina Bob and Natalie Harp from One American News. Tom Pappert, Editor-in-Chief of the National File, Steve Bannon of Steve Bannon's War Room, not Q, and Mr. Mike Lindell of the MyPillow family. Um, Pillows! There you go. Don't forget to follow all of our sponsors. We have Odyssey. They're at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Stay Ready Gear holsters are at stayreadygear.com. They're also on Facebook and Instagram. ManRubs is on Instagram and at manrubs.com. Don't mistreat your meat. All your firearms needs can be met. One-stop shop, West Coast Survival Arms. Mike is on Facebook Messenger. He's at 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic and MediocreMedic.com 
for all of our listeners listening to this podcast in their ambulance right now. If you want some tactical gear that's going to make you even more mediocre than you already are, find them on Instagram and at mediocremedic.com. And Mark Joe Friday, home of the Zero Fucks Duck, dumpbox.us. Please support all of our sponsors as they are American-owned and operated small businesses. And the only thing we ask for you to do is help to make those small businesses great again. We've got a assload of upcoming shows on the radar now that we're doing two a week. Um, this Friday, we're going to be sitting down with Rachel Ham. She's running for Secretary of State in California. It's going to be a good interview. The following Tuesday, we're going to have on Wonder Woman, or as now we can call her, Miss Victoria. She came out over the weekend on social media, and she'll be joining us next Tuesday. Nice. Uh, Noah and I, along with Antoinette, will be joining Dr. Cordy Williams in the morning on the 24th of August, and then be doing our show with none other than Miss America Honey herself, Ricky Lynn. James from We The People Radio is coming on August 20th. Norbin Laden circling back August 31st. And then heading into September, we're going to have Kayla Michelle, the Fit Patriot, on, on the 7th. And long overdue, Mr. Jeremy Bravo will be joining the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Special thanks to the Daily Breb for making that happen on Twitter yesterday. That nice. is locked and loaded for September 10th. Um, I'm running out of stuff to do here. I think we named almost everything. We got some Friends of the Week. Axie 7.0, Julio 3.1, Brenda Memes of the Brenda Memes family, Wits Up 717, Truth on Draft, Light It Up 908, and on Patriot 17, and Miss Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, before we get back and circle in here on Friday, we do have that list of stuff that we always ask you to do in lieu of waiting for our next podcast. I think it was a good example with Mr. Lord Petty today. He said during the COVID lockdowns, he started doing his own research and got to the point to where he's at now, a Trump-loving, red-pill-eating, shit-talking comedy daddy. I like it. So do your own research, hold the line, ride it, buy the dip, get the fuck in here, Mm -hmm. snatch the wigs. I still don't get that one, but I like it. Let's see what happens. Yep. Next week, this Friday. We'll be back. Rachel Ham, running for Secretary of State in California. But until then, I'm Roan. I'm sitting across from Noah. No one else is on the Zoom screen because we have power outages and stuff. But this has been the Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 53. Where we go one, we go all. Thanks for listening. Reservoir.